Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Voices for Change 2.0, the only podcast that focuses on mental health while mixing in movies, music, books, sports, and pop culture. Here are your hosts, Rebecca and Joe Lombardo. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Voices for Change 2.0. Show hasn't even started yet, and I'm already losing my voice. Awesome. <laughs> Hey there, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in. A uh, little, little out of sorts today because we got a lot going on. Um, so kind of a big day for us. Yeah, big day. Uh, today we are doing our annual roundtable, the uh, KTMH panel. <laughs> Which stands for Keep Talking Mental Health, in case you weren't aware. You should yes. be aware by now that that's my, my thing, our thing. Indeed. <laughs> so, anyway, so we're we're being joined today by four wonderful gentlemen, not just one lovely and talented person, <laughs> but four. So that's exciting. We're uh, we're jazzed. It's been it's been a, a KTMH kind of week for us. Uh, yeah. On Tuesday, we made a very concerted effort to get uh, our hashtag Keep Talking MH trending on Twitter. Um, I think personally, that Twitter was doing some shenanigans to get it to I, I do, too. I, I really do. I, I, You know, when, you, when you, you're when you at, you know, 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, you've been looking all the – and you're not factoring in the people from the U.K. that had started tweeting before I even woke up. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've been doing it all day, and hundreds of other people have been doing it all day, and you go to click on it on Twitter, and it says 160 tweets. Well, there was probably 160 tweets before, you know, 11 a.m. Yeah. You know, and, and it's weird when you look at the, you know, it says 100, it says 50, it says 180, then all of a sudden jumps to 620 and then back down to 130. Yeah. It's like, all right, Twitter's going to be doing something. I don't, I don't know what the what the deal is, but I I have to be happy with the results. The, the, the truth is that we got the word out and yes. people were uh, responding and, you know, new people that hadn't used it before were using it. And uh, I, uh, you know, I'm pretty proud of that. And and then I went and looked on Instagram and it showed that I had more than 23,000 posts yeah. it on Instagram. So, so that's pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's out there. It's being used which is something we are very proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we even had a few celebrities tweeted out for us, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm trying to stifle a cough, so please forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Um, but yeah, you know, so it's it's been it's been a good week as far as uh, keep talking mental health has been concerned. Um, you know, we're just we're very proud of it. Uh, we're proud of how it's being used. We're proud that it's bringing awareness and uh, getting people talking about it, you know, because um, that's ultimately that's that's the thing that's going to uh, get us where, you know, where we, the direction we want to go is what I'm trying to say. Right. You know, um, we, we know, and you guys know that are listening to the show that 
it's all about communication. It's all about, you know, talking, talking things through, uh, be it if you go to a doctor or therapist and talk through what you're going through or talking with your friends or your loved ones, or if you have a concern and, you know, just something that's bothering you, reaching out. Or if you have a friend that you notice might be a little off, reaching out to them, you know. There's been a lot of focus lately on on um, posts about checking on your strong friend, too. Yeah. You know, um, some of the, the strongest people that are in your life are really having a hard time or are struggling. So you want to check on them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, look at somebody, <laughs> I think we brought this up last week too. Look at somebody like The Rock, you know, uh, Dwayne Johnson, physically one of the strongest people you'll ever see. And, you know, always has his head above water and, you know, always has a smile on his face and everything. And, you know, to hear that he struggles and he goes through things. I mean, mm-hmm. if he's going through stuff, you know, there's absolutely no shame in any of the rest of us going through stuff or reaching out for help or, you know, being on medication or any anything that is going to help you personally cope. Um, hang on a second here. All right, so uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit today before we brought our guests on was uh, the WeGo Health Awards. Uh, they're back, and if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen that I've been requesting uh, endorsements on that. <laughs> Funny story, <laughs> I thought that I was doing pretty well with the endorsements that I had. I thought that I was kind of, you know, on my way. And You thought you were hot poop. Yep. And I had been checking other people's endorsements just to kind of get a feel for the 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 whole situation, you know, what people, where people were at. And like I said, I was feeling pretty good until yesterday I checked on this one lady that had over 1,500 and <laughs> almost peed my pants. <laughs> I was like, well, so much for that. <laughs> yeah, so, so, you know, sometimes you got to have a little something bring you down to size, babe. Yep. You know, but... We're grateful to all the endorsements that Beck has received on uh, Wego Health. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Very grateful. Hopefully that will get her to being one of the finalists. And when we know what's going on with that, you know, if you guys would mind making the, the next extra step and actually uh, voting for her. Yeah, voting would, will start probably in a couple of weeks. So. Yeah, that would be awesome. So, Excuse me. Anyway, um, that's enough of our prattling on. Uh, so the, here's the thing with our panel show today. Um, strap in, get yourself a snack, get yourself a, a frosty beverage, because <laughs> it's going to be a nice, long two-hour show today. Yeah. Yeah. So we get to talk to everybody. We get to catch up with some old friends, um, all sorts of stuff. So, um are you sure you want to be doing all that, babe, when things are dicey? Yes, dear. Okay. So, sorry, she's doing shenanigans with the computer back here. You yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna bring up Twitter, but uh, we are, ha- we have been having a little bit of sound issues today. Uh, 
Yeah, don't over, so, don't overload the computer. Yes, dear. Okay. So, all right. So, anyway, we should, uh, I guess, take this moment to introduce our guests. Yeah, let's do I that. I think that would be a good idea. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so the first one is is our, I don't know, diamond member <laughs> of, of the panel. He, he's, he's been on so many times. That, we've you know, lost he, count. Yeah, we, uh, we, we've made him an uh, official member of the family, and uh, we love this guy, and he's just, he's the bee's knees. Absolutely. So. Fantastic advocate, doing a lot of work, a lot more work than I'm doing, and it makes me rather envious of his energy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's first start off with uh, Rudy Caceres. Rudy, are you there? Hello, hello. How are you? <laughs> We're hanging in there. How about you? Good. I'm doing okay. As you probably know, it is 8 a.m. over here in Los Angeles, but I'm ready to go. <laughs> okay. So, Good hey, morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, everyone out there in uh, <clears throat> Blog Talk Radio Land. I'm Rudy Caceres. <laughs> I'm a public speaker. I also uh, organize live events in my community um, centered around storytelling and with the emphasis on mental health and suicide prevention. I'm excited to be on here. I believe this is my fifth time and second panel on the uh, Voices for Change podcast. So I'm excited to share uh, my world with all of your listeners and looking forward to having a good, long, epic conversation on all things mental health. <laughs> hey, did you did you get your jacket in the mail yet? <laughs> For being I know I, I'm, my five timers club jacket. Please, I will I will come <laughs> to you if I have to. <laughs> all right, if it, if it hasn't shown up yet, uh, just keep waiting. <laughs> okay, moving on. Cool. Um, next. Next. Uh, who should we go to next? Let's go to our good friend Kirk, who is a very, very, very like the not almost as sweet as you are, honey, but <laughs> the sweetest, one of the sweetest people we know, and we've met him through through Twitter, and uh, he's a he's an author and also a mental health advocate, and was so supportive and so amazing with with just everybody and we're we're so honored to know him the the, the posts that he posts to me especially when I'm feeling down a little bit you know are are always uplifting and amazing and I'm just really grateful that we know him you're getting for clumped aren't you no yeah, oh. we are getting for no, I'm not for she looks a little over clumped eyes are glassy I'm just no the, I'm, I'm, I'm not for well, you know, honestly, I have to tell you both that, uh, as I've said before, what you guys do and, um, you know, walking the walk and giving a consistent example on um, how you can live and work together and grow stronger together as uh, a unit of just, you know, family or friends, however it might work out um is something that's inspirational for so many so i'm really honored to be on this uh this panel and there's some wonderful people here 
um, you know, from Vincent to Rudy to Ryan. And I looked up uh, each one of them, so I'm really excited to sit here and uh, have a wonderful chat with all of them and uh, give you guys some, you know, insight into, um, you know, whatever I, whatever I possibly can. Um, but truly honored to be here for sure. Awesome. Well, thanks for being thanks here. For, thanks for being here, Kirk. Um, the next person we are going to introduce. Okay. <clears throat> oh, I thought you were, were going to do it. Oh, I thought you were going to do it. No, no. I, <laughs> you sounded I like, you were, you. like you were. No, I'm, 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 I'm just set up, man, baby. Okay. All right. So um, let's talk a little bit about Ryan. Uh, Ryan is uh, LCSW. We have two of those on our panel today, so this is I'm exciting. interested to really get his feedback on on everything. Um, he's also got a podcast himself uh, with a with a partner. It's a Pop Psych 101, and I met I also met them on Twitter and was on their show once, and and I believe both of them were on our show as well one other time. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, I'm I'm excited to have him back, so we can talk a, a little bit more extensively and branch out on the the topic. So uh, welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank you so much, Rebecca and Joe and and everybody else for being here. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, thank you for mentioning my podcast. Um, so yes, I'm an LCSW therapist in the Princeton area, and. I'm just excited to be talking with you guys today. I've, I have obviously a lot of strong feelings about mental health and especially mental health with men, but um, I'm ready to talk anything. You know, my, my podcast, we talk about mental health and pop culture. Um, but, you know, as you can imagine, I can talk about mental health when it comes to pretty much anything. So I can't wait to get into it. Awesome. And then finally, last but certainly not least, <laughs> the, uh, the what, the, what? You go. I got to my throat. Oh, you got to clear your throat. Okay. <laughs> she's got a she's got a frog in her throat, <laughs> as people say. Um, okay. So our very last, but certainly not least, gentleman on our show. I don't know why I'm talking like I, I, I like William Shatner, that. but I am. Um, <laughs> Vince. Hi, Vince. <laughs> Hey, yeah, Joe and Becca, how are you both? <laughs> We're great. I'll let her do the, the intro because she's, she's better at the intro stuff than I am. Well, Vince is also is our other LCSW, and like we said before, we're really excited to uh, talk with uh, some professionals about some of our questions. I have some questions set strictly aside for them. Yes. So that's wonderful. Yes. And uh, Vince, I also met on, on Twitter, and... It was funny because he kind of popped up out of nowhere like this last year. I didn't really have a connection to him before then. I remember he followed me, I think, and then I followed him. And then every now and then there we would send out those follow Friday lists, you know, of everybody to follow. And I remember him saying something once about uh, something about I'd really like to be included in one of these ones. And not in a, not in that crappy way, you know, no. just just in a, in a uh, oh, you know, I'm, I'm still here, way. I'm, I'm here too. And uh, I kept that in the back of my mind until the next time I did one of those, because I don't do them very often. And the next time I did one, I added him in, and he was so excited that it, <laughs> it kind of made my day. So, um, like Joe said, please welcome Vincent Fitzgerald. Yeah. 
Thank you, Beckett and Joe, so much. I appreciate it. And hello to everybody else on the panel. Beck, I think that when I began to switch my usage for Twitter from wanting to connect vaguely with celebrities to really wanting to use it as a mental health platform, you were one of the first people with whom I connected, and I recognized you instantly as a beacon for people who were were struggling with, to just maintain mental health, to fight mental illness, and, and you're somebody who it really seems as, as if people rally around, and I wanted to be instantly connected with you and what you do because I realized the value of it, and Twitter has given me... Uh, a wonderful venue for, for writing and, and just connecting with people who are in this field and people who are advocates and so on. So thank you so much for this opportunity. Absolutely. We're yeah. glad to have you with us. We're glad to have all four of you with us. Absolutely. Um, it's, uh, it's awesome, and, you know, it's an honor having you all with us. So thank you all for taking the time out of your busy schedules and getting up really early for some of you. For some of you, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we, we have sympathy on that. Um, and just, you know, being with us on our humble little show. Oh, we appreciate it. It's all right. <laughs> all righty. So what we're going to do to start with, I know you kind of um, were doing it a little bit when we introduced you, but we're going to go a little bit deeper and have each of you kind of tell your, your backstory to whatever degree you want to sell it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'll, I'm going to call out names during the show today. Uh, so we don't have a whole bunch of, you know, to all of us talking over each other because we're obviously not in the same room. We're not? No. Okay. So we can't, we can't, uh, we can't see who's doing what. <laughs> so just to be on the safe side, I'll say, you know, Rudy answer this and we'll see if, Rudy will answer it. <laughs> so, um, like I said, I'd like to start off with uh, a brief description of your sort of your backstory, your your origin myth, yeah. as it were. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Rudy, why don't you go ahead and, and start us out and just tell us what uh, got you to this point. Okay. Again, I'm Rudy Caceres. I was born on August 18, 1987, and I always had a rough childhood. I was bullied and constantly dealt with self-esteem issues and just feeling like a complete failure of a person uh, pretty much my entire life. So a healthy adulthood, that does not make. Uh, One of the things that really got me through my younger years was doing theater. I loved being on stage. I loved entertaining people. I love being able to uh, hold an audience in the palm of my hand, but that was not meant to be as far as a professional job. So I decided to join the Army because that's obviously the next best option, and it was not. (laughs) I ended up having a mental breakdown while I was in the Army and had to be discharged, an honorable discharge, but still it was a very crushing blow indeed. So I got out. I was highly suicidal for Quite some time, I tried going back to school. That didn't work. Tried doing theater. That didn't work. I was hospitalized a few times, put in restraints, and uh, all kinds of fun stuff done to me. And it took me a long time for me to start sharing my story. I got out of the Army in 2009. I didn't start sharing my story until 2014 when I became president of my college's Active Minds chapter, which is a organization that exists across college campuses nationwide and it basically is spreading mental health awareness on campus and making sure people know about resources and really educating people so i'd go to different classrooms i go to the nursing department 
share my story as best I could back when I was a little baby advocate. And that kind of grew into a speaking career and then doing events and doing all the interviews and everything. And actually, I believe uh, Voices for Change 1.0 was the first ever podcast interview I ever did back in, I believe, January or February 2016. So I give you full credit for all that. So now I'm thriving. I'm living my best life as best I can. I still deal with all of the mental health issues, but I've learned to be able to be strong in spite of it or because of it. Who knows? But here I am. I'm Rudy Caceres, and that's my story. (laughs) Thank you very much for that. Yeah. We are always glad to have you back with us. Yes. Our our adopted son. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's uh, like I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, you can you, you can adopt me. That'll that'll help <laughs> your taxes. There's no money involved. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no such luck there. You know, you know what's crazy is you know, Rudy, you mentioned uh, your your birthday, and I had to think about it a second. I was going into eighth grade when you were born. Yeah. God, I'm old. <laughs> oh man, eighth grade was tough for me. <laughs> How's eighth grade yeah, for you, Joe? <laughs> eighth grade's tough for everybody. Um, yeah, all right. I'll, I'll so yeah. <laughs> okay, so we've got Rudy's story, <clears throat> and I'm moving my wife again. Um, how about we go to uh, Kurt next and tell us a little bit about your uh, origin myth? <laughs> well, uh, I actually, Rudy's. Uh, Rudy's backstory is somewhat similar to mine in terms of like uh, growing up. Um, there's a couple slight differences. Um, everybody thought that I wasn't smart. Um, I was diagnosed with a quad diagnosis later on in my 20s. Um, so ADHD, uh, OCD, bipolar one, and then generalized anxiety. Um, growing up with those things, uh, I really didn't function super well in a school setting, and I kind of took out my aggression and anger on the teachers, um, which didn't go over very well uh, for the school system. But I wanted to reach out to Rudy really quickly and tell him, you know, I was actually a bully for a long time, and it's something that I look back on and am kind of horrified uh, that I would ever, you know, hurt other people uh, in those kinds of ways. Um, Part of uh, what made me start actually getting better was after I was on a ton of medications and I was seeing uh, one psychiatrist and then a GP, um, I found a book uh, that I just loved. Uh, It's called Awakening the Buddha Within. Um, I'm not a really religious person. I would consider myself agnostic. I think there's some amazing things out there we can't explain. But that particular book, uh, for some reason, just hit me right. And so I made a list of all the people I kind of bullied and been mean to and started making phone calls. Uh, it was not an easy experience. It's kind of weird, but um, it helped me reconnect. And it also kind of started me on a different path. Um, and that actually led me to working with my doctor. And um, I started kind of researching 
some different ways to treat uh, the bipolar because uh, I tried every combination and every kind of medication and eventually um, found kind of a different way to, to treat the, the medication. Um, and after doing some case studies, uh, I was asked by the person who wrote the forward to my book, um, Dean Peastall, wonderful guy. He invented Taxol and founded Hauser Pharmaceuticals. He asked me, he said, listen, you got to write this book. Um, he said, you need to get this information out there. He said, a lot of this won't happen right away. You know, it takes a long time for pharmaceutical companies to start doing clinical trials and the costs are exorbitant. But um, so I wrote that. And ever since then, I've really uh, been trying to reach out and do the very best I can for all the people out there that are dealing and struggling with um, mental health uh, in so many different ways. Um, I don't like the word uh, disorder. Um, I like mental health issues uh, a little better. Uh, just has a, any, any way I can have a slight positive spin to it. Um, but I loved, I, I wanted to reach out to Rudy right away and say, you know, I'm so sorry that he went through any bullying. Um, it's a horrible thing to happen to any person. And it's, uh, you know, it's a cry for help for some people um, that are the bullies. In my case, uh, you know, I didn't have full control due to some mental health issues. But uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter, um, not as much on Facebook. And uh, my main goal is to just get out there and make sure people um, can live, uh, as Rudy said so well, his best life, you know. So I want people to live their best life. And the way he stated that was great. So uh, props to him and just happy to be here and answer whatever questions I can regarding, you know, mental health or struggles or tips and tricks I've learned along the way. So thank you so much for having cool. me. Thank you for those kind words, too. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. And uh, next, uh, let's go with Ryan. Yeah. What's your What's your uh, backstory, sir? Yeah. So I um, I have been working in the mental health field uh, for gosh, almost 15 years now, um, in different capacities. Out of while I was in uh, undergrad, I was. Um, I had the opportunity to work sort of like a, a speedy internship through all the aspects of an inpatient substance abuse facility, and that experience made me and, and affirmed for me that I wanted to work um, in the mental health field. So I actually ended up getting a job there out of undergrad, and 15 years later, here I am doing some private practice and some group practice, um, individual therapy primarily. I have worked in substance abuse facilities and in outpatient, inpatient, um, partial hospitalization. So I've, I've got a lot of different experiences in the mental health field. And I'm, what I've enjoyed about that is I feel like I've gotten to see at this point almost every aspect um, that a person can struggle with, you know, whether that be uh, what age they are when they start experiencing their problems, um, you know, the, the complications that come with those, whether it be relationship or job or um, family, friends, issues, all that kind of stuff. So that varied experience has brought me to where I am today, which is to wanting to reach a wider audience. That's really why I started my podcast. Um, I want to share the experiences, the lessons that I've both learned from my patients and that, you know, I guess as therapists, we hope we, we help teach um, 
lessons to people who are looking to um, lead healthier lives or, or develop healthy coping skills. So now I have this um, sort of weird podcast where we talk about mental health as it's portrayed in popular culture. So movies, books, television, and we talk about how accurate those portrayals are and you know what takeaways people should uh, take away from from these presentations of mental illness or mental health issues and and it's been really enjoyable I mean we try to have fun with it sometimes um, but it's also an opportunity for us to have some very serious conversations in sort of a casual way I think it's so important and and obviously you guys do this too which I certainly appreciate to just be able to normalize having these conversations if we can talk Mm -hmm. about mental health issues in a casual regular consistent way I think we can over time really reduce you know, whether it be stigma or just the sort of fear around getting help and, and feeling so alone that, that people can experience sometimes when they're dealing with mental health issues. So, so that's how I've gotten to where I am today. And, and I'm just grateful for the opportunity to, to have a voice and to have an audience to, um, that, that I can share what I've learned and I can also learn from them. It's been really, really gratifying. Excellent. Awesome. Thank you very much. Sure. And our our last, uh, but as we said before, never least uh, introduction, Vince, why don't you lay it on us? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm Vincent Fitzgerald. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and a psychotherapist in New Jersey, um, currently in two locations. I have a private practice, but I also work for a wonderful not-for-profit agency, which is where I did all my clinical training and, and can never really be grateful enough for. Um, my roots with with mental health go pretty deep. I mean, they go back to my mother's mental illness. She experienced a major depressive episode for the better part of three years. I think very formative years for me from maybe 79 to 81. And um, then her recovery and and the resilience that she displayed really resonated with me as I got older. And to a lesser degree, my father's experiences with social anxiety, um, have also been pretty important to me in my life because they helped me recognize what I was experiencing in terms of my own mental health issues, major um, social anxiety, generalized anxiety, and also for a period in time, panic attacks. So those things have um, helped me in a sense integrate the idea of being a client and a clinician at the same time. And one of the things that I find most important is, is how do I integrate my own experiences as somebody who has struggled with anxiety most of his life into a therapeutic practice that can benefit clients in the best possible way. Um, It's controversial at times um, to share certain things with clients, but because I do believe so much in the relationship aspect, it is something that I do bring into my practice, especially when I feel like it's relevant to the client. So, um, you know, it's been, I've been practicing as a psychotherapist now for five years, but I've also been a case manager, a school social worker. I've done um, mobile crisis psychiatric crisis, that kind of thing. So I, I do have a lot of experience in this field. It's all been very diverse and wonderful, and, and I'm grateful. And now what I'm finding most is just the idea of, of having mental health be brought more into the mainstream, mental illness be brought more into the mainstream through social media, through writing, through podcasts, like you all have. It's so wonderful. Um, being a part of that is definitely a new, fulfilling layer to this whole mental health journey. So thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Absolutely. That's great. And we are uh, uh, 
so just grateful, like I said at the beginning of the show. Yeah, we're very grateful for all four of you. For all four of you being here and telling your stories. And uh, thank you. Good night, Mom. <laughs> um, at this point, we're uh, we're going to take a little break. Uh, I know we haven't jumped into the, the meat and potatoes of this thing yet, but uh, we've been at it for going on a half hour already. So um, we're going to take a break. We're going to listen to a song. You guys are going to go get a frosty beverage or hit the bathroom or dance a jig, whatever makes you happy. And uh, we'll see you guys on the other side of Brandon Shea's version of Adele's Hello. 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 It's me. I was wondering if after all these years you'd like me to go over everything. They say that I'm supposed to heal you, but I ain't done much healing. Hello, can you hear me? I'm in California dreaming about who I've forgotten how it felt before the world fell at our feet There's such a difference between us and a million miles Hello from the other side I must have called a thousand
Hey, welcome back to Voices for Change 2.0. I'm Joe. She's Rebecca. And we got a bunch of testosterone on the show today. <laughs> <laughs> so, really quick, I gotta I gotta make an observation because this doesn't get said enough. And uh, just want to take a moment to appreciate the job he does. Uh, our producer Scott is unbelievable at what he does. Um, anybody who's listened to the show for a while, I hope they've picked up on the fact that whatever topic or whatever's going on on the show, whenever we take our break and uh, play a song, that song kind of revolves around what's going on. Uh, case in point, we just finished all our intros for everybody on the panel, and we played Hello. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just, it's it's cool little things like that that makes us really appreciate the uh, the special job that Scott does. So um, just really wanted to take a minute and say thank you, Scott. Uh, thank yeah, you for everything you do. He does put up with a lot of shenanigans from me, um, <laughs> but we we love him. So anyway, wanted to get that said. And uh, that said, if you gentlemen don't have any questions for us, <laughs> fools, um, we're gonna jump in and start asking you guys some questions. Okay. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know where this attitude is coming from. I'm feeling saucy. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. You want to ask the first one, or you want me to ask the first one? How do you want to do this? Well, I will start, I guess. Okay, ladies um, first. Yeah, since I'm the only lady in the in the entire group today, I will yep. go first. Um, what? And and I'll I'll select someone to to answer first after I I read the question. But um, what do you think is the biggest misconception when it comes to men and mental health? And uh, Ryan, why don't we start with you? All right. So the biggest concept, sorry, the biggest misconception when it comes to men and mental health. Yes. Yeah. So that's a great question. Thank you for for choosing me um, to to lead us off. Um, yeah, it's funny because I work with a lot of men, as you might expect. I think um, I don't know if if uh, the other gentleman can echo this, but um, I think a lot of men. I don't know what percentage wise, but I find a lot of men requesting to work with a man. And I think whether that's because of some sense of shame or embarrassment, that there's something that they're, they're going to be seen as weak to a woman um, if they are going into therapy with a woman. So I guess if if there's a misconception when it comes to mental health and men, the first thing that, that jumps out to me is that especially as a therapist, I never see a man coming into therapy as weak, far from it, actually that more of the opposite. If someone comes into me and, and wants to work on, you know, their marriage or job issues or, um, you know, even just depression, anxiety, trauma, I see it as a huge sign of strength. So that's always the thing I want to get across first um, to my male patients in particular, but anyone who comes into therapy is that you, the fact that you've made this decision, the fact that you are here is a strong first choice, even if it took a while. You know, I know a lot of the, um, you know, the patients that I see, they'll say things like, you know, I've been having thoughts or feelings like this since I was a teenager and now I'm 20, 25, 28, 30, 35, and I'm just getting help. So, you know, I always emphasize that, okay, good for you for making this decision you are strong now let's let's build on what you're coming in with mm-hmm. awesome 
Yeah. And Kirk, what do you think? Are you kind of echoing the same the same thoughts? There's a, a couple. Definitely, that that one rings true for me. There's two others that I see, and one of them is, um, and I just saw this a couple of days ago, but um, that men aren't sensitive. Um, in other words, that we're not as sensitive as a female. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, everyone's feelings get hurt. It's um, it's relative based on the individual. Um, so I think that whole idea that men are tough and they can handle this, a lot of times when someone's really struggling, um, you know, if, if words are so important, if somebody says the wrong thing at the wrong time, it can really send somebody into a downward spiral. And um, the other misconception, so that would be the first misconception. Men really are very sensitive, just as females are. All humans are. Um, we feel and uh, deal with problems and try to compress or decompress in different ways. Um, so that's a, that's a slight misconception. The other one is um, that men can't state their struggles. Um, that That's something that I think is a misconception uh, that's been going on for a long time. I mean, I remember my, you know, grandfather uh, telling me, you know, listen, you don't, you don't need to cry. Um, you're a guy. You can be tough. And uh, it was somewhat interesting because some of that, I don't know if that came from the past or just uh, previous cultures or whatever the case might be, um, but I, I think that uh, as as Ryan had said, um, you know, any person that is struggling and finds the strength to reach out and say that they are, um, they take a risk. And that risk uh, actually leads them to discovering more about themselves and hopefully leading them to, uh, you know, a happier life uh, that they can be, you know, and continue to grow along the way. Sorry, that was a long answer. Uh, so, <laughs> Hopefully that was okay. Absolutely, that was perfect. Yes. Okay, um, we're going to move on to the to the next question. We don't want to spend um, too much time on each individual question, so we'll probably just have two of you answer. I think is what what we'll do. Yeah. Uh, so, um, for uh, Rudy, does mental illness have an impact on your daily life and relationships? No, but relationships do. Uh, hello to our cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ask the cat. They probably have a better answer. <laughs> okay. So, could you repeat your answer? Because I didn't hear it very clearly. Yeah, I think I think uh, relationships, uh, all kinds, are more affecting than me than any kind of mental illness. By the way, I'm bipolar, but uh, that's you know, it's funny because I've been thinking about this recently is that I haven't had a manic episode since uh, October of 2017. So I'm starting to feel like a fraud. And I, yeah. but I do deal with a lot of anxiety and depression, but I don't, it's weird. I don't feel ill right now. I just feel very, very stressed out and tense. Mm-hmm. So are you bipolar too then? 
I don't know. I think you ask me that every single time I'm on the show, and I just uh, I'm bipolar 1.5. Let's say that. Okay. <laughs> so let's just this because I I'm bipolar too, and I can sympathize with you because I haven't had a massive manic outbreak in some time too, and I've actually had people kind of question my diagnoses. Um, you know, because I'm also borderline personality disorder, and and I guess I don't act like it. But you know, who's to say what you're supposed to act like is is my thing. Yeah. You know. So, um, but I've confirmed that with my doctor. I'm not talking out of the but out of my butt. My doctor actually <laughs> that would, said that, that would be impressive. Yeah, my doctor actually said that. So please stop asking me. <laughs> yeah, and you, and you know what's funny, uh, Rebecca and Joe, is that there will be times where I guess if I'm speaking fast or if I'm having issues with sleep or if I'm like just seem like very, very uh, motivated, I guess, or grandiose, people think I'm manic, and I, I just want to tell them, don't worry, you'll know for sure. <laughs> you don't have to guess. You don't have to ask. Yeah, really. You'll know. It'll, it'll be apparent. Yeah, sometimes Joe notices it before I do. Yeah, I've, I've gotten pretty good at picking up on her uh, episodes of Mania, and, you know, it's the, the maniacal laughter that really does it. And I'll be like, yeah, you're – yeah. Oh, it's wild, man. I'm telling you, it's, it's some wild stuff, but uh, but it's all right. It's okay. It's good. So, um, then how about – you man, how 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 does uh, mental illness have an impact on your daily life and relationships? Because you know you you mentioned you know anxiety and whatnot. Um, wondering what your yeah, feedback is. Yeah, there are two profound ways I think that anxiety's affected my life and relationships. And the first being the idea of how generalized anxiety has affected my parenthood. My children are 21 and 17 now, but they weren't always. And when they were younger. Um, when I think back on it, the way in which anxiety ruled my relationships with them. And in some of the ways, it would be very simple, subtle ways, like you know, uh, chew your food a thousand times. Don't take bites that are too big. You can't eat in the back seat of the car because if you begin to choke, I can't get to you. Um, mm-hmm. Having to look away when they were on rides or being afraid when they were playing with other kids in a park because I was afraid they would get sick. And that begins to, to hinder the childhood experience. So I, I fought very hard to be aware of that as I was parenting them. Um, and I'm fortunate that they have grown up to be the people they are because I, you know, anxiety does tend to bleed down from one generation to the next. And I never really wanted to put that on them. The other way is how social anxiety has affected my life. And it's in a much better place now, but you know, for the better part of my life, I can honestly say that I have probably canceled on more engagements with people than almost anybody I know. And I think what happens is, um, my internal experience with social anxiety is one thing, but the way it's perceived by others is, is a sense of apathy in a sense where I just don't care. I don't want to be connected to people. Uh, and all of a sudden invites begin to, to stop. So that's something that I've had to yeah. work through for most of my life. And, you know, the way in, in which it plays into the first question is the idea of, of how I never spoke to people about it earlier. Um, and I hate to jump back to the first question, but there's relevance there because the idea mm-hmm. of not wanting to seem weak is relevant, not just to women. I think it's a twofold thing. I never wanted to seem weak to other men. And I find that um, yeah. that was always a challenge for me, too. So um, the idea of, of the misconception of men also being that we can just innately solve our own problems without any need for assistance from anybody else is completely 
you know, uh, ill-informed in a sense. Um, it, it forces us to isolate. It, it gives us uh, no reason to ask for help or no, uh, you know, compunction to ask for help from people. It just we refuse to do it. So it forces us to kind of isolate and problem solve on our own, which never really goes very well. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny, you know, you, you think about it. And one term that I've, I've really grown to disdain over the last couple of years is the term man up. You know, yeah, I can't do that. That just that irritates the hell out of me. You know, because at this point, my outlook is, you know, being able to man up is recognizing that you need help and searching out that you need help. And there's nothing weak in that. And you know, you you really hit on something there, Vince, with with stating, you know, it's more not wanting to look weak in front of other men. You know, women to a more you know bigger or lesser degree, you know, they'll uh, they'll be okay with, you know, sensitivity, <clears throat> at least in certain spots. But, you know, when it comes to men, men can be absolutely brutal sometimes about things and, you know, the, the teasing and, and whatnot, you know, and, and I'm, I'm just as guilty of, of this as anybody else is, you know, from when I was younger, you know, when you don't really have an awareness of yourself or what people go through. And, you know, I've learned over the years now that, you know, everybody's got something going on. And, you know, kindness goes a lot farther than anything else in this world. And so I, I try and approach every day that way more now. You know, Beck will tell you, I, I enjoy teasing the hell out of her. But, you know, I've really pared that down from when we first got married uh Almost, almost 18 years ago, yep. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's it's because I'm sensitive now to what she goes through, and you know, I try and be sensitive to what you know people I encounter in my day to day, what they're going through. You know, and maybe they're having a bad day. You know, someone, if a customer snaps at me, instead of me instantly getting angry and wanting to react back, I try and catch myself and, and think, well, maybe they're just having a bad day. Just ride this out, you know, and see where it goes. And, and sometimes he'll talk to me about it. And, mm-hmm. and my main thing that I that I always tell him is that, um, you know, is getting angry about the situation going to help make it any better? Yeah. And and it doesn't. So, you know, yeah. he usually calms down after that. But that's even hard for me to remember. I can say it to him, but I, you know, I can't necessarily practice it all the time. So yeah. I understand why it's difficult. Well, you know, Joe and Becca one, and the rest of the panel, one of the things I can say is I've, I've recently begun suggesting that men begin to man down a little bit, just sort of rewire the brain in the sense to kind of relearn what masculinity is supposed to be or, you know, whatever that word even means. But just the idea of taking a look at being a man from a different perspective and introducing the idea of sensitivity and, and empathy and these qualities that are typically thought of as female and kind of working them into our experiences as men. So I think manning down is definitely a way to go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, um, this, I I want to just add one thing. Um, as he just said that, um, I had a wonderful uh, friend, um, and he's a grandmaster in taekwondo. And there was one point in my life um, when he looked at me, and he said, "You can always tell a real man because he said they don't have anything to prove." 
he said they don't have to walk around acting tough because they already know and they're comfortable with themselves. And so mm-hmm. I think what you like manning down, like just realizing you don't need to prove anything. And sometimes when you do try to prove something, uh, it, it typically backfires in a lot of ways, at least in my experience. Hmm. So I really enjoyed those are phenomenal comments, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> now I'd like to quickly uh, jump in here uh, just for, we haven't done this in a while, and I think that this would be a good time to do it. Uh, if anybody out there has questions for our panel or for us or for Scott even, <laughs> give us a call. Uh, the number is 347 and there is yeah. also a chat room. There's a there's a chat room. If you go into the Blog Talk uh, link, and you'll see a box of scrolling photos. If you scroll down a little bit further, there is uh, an, a chat room that you can join in on the conversation so you don't have to call. Scott is manning that for us. So if anything comes across the wire, we will uh, interrupt and let you guys know. That sounds great. Cat is, Cat is kind of driving us nuts right now. So yeah. kind of part and parcel for our show, we have Cat. <laughs> <laughs> so, She's being very needy today. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to move on to the next question, and this question is specifically catered to Ryan and Vince. We'll start off with Ryan. Um, what made you decide to go into your profession? I'll take that first. Yeah, so for me, social work, I think, offered a kind of breadth of opportunity. So so like Vincent, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Um, I... When I was an undergrad, I majored in psychology, I minored in social work. So I had this sort of background, heavy psychology and the social work sort of opening it up to you know, the different, literally the different kinds of jobs that you could do with that background. And I knew that I wanted to get a, a lot of different types of experiences. So choosing social work for me meant that I could both be on the front lines and doing individual therapy like I'm doing now. And but I can also sort of take those skills and, you know, build programs and be an advocate and, um, you know, be um, a supervisor. So when I work with other uh, clinicians, you know, I can help people um, build their skills. So I looked at becoming a social worker as really offering me the widest path to, to helping as many different people in as many different ways as I could. And, and I've been lucky enough to have a lot of those opportunities. So. For me, social work was definitely the right choice. If anything, I wish I had, uh, I ended up doing it part-time. I wish I had just gone, sucked it up and done the full uh, the full program <laughs> faster. I felt like I'd been two years ahead of where I am now, but still very happy uh, with the way everything's worked out. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, so and when I think back, I, I think I knew I wanted to be a therapist when I was 15 years old, but and I, was, I took a psychology class in my sophomore year of high school. But when, I, when I'm really honest about it, a lot of that was really rooted in, in ego in a sense of being, you know, wanting to be needed and wanting to be wanted and wanting to be able to help people. And I think at a time in my life, that was kind of a self-serving thing. And it's changed since. I mean, I thought that there was a time I believed firmly that, social, that therapists were the oracles of the world and people just came to us and we espoused our wisdom on them and, and all was great with the world. And I have 
really never been so wrong about something in my entire life and might never be wrong about something that much ever again. Um, you know, the work that we do is, is incredibly challenging and difficult and rewarding and all those things. But, you know, it is, I think, part of it's rooted in my mother's experience with mental illness, what I watched her go through. Um, when she recovered from major depression, she functioned at such a high level that it really kind of blew me away. And one of the things that that taught me was, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things that taught me was that people can recover and people can go on to live very fulfilling lives. And the impact she's had on other people's lives before she passed away, my mom passed away March 3rd of this year. So I'm still kind of experiencing that and, and reliving her life in my mind in so many ways. And I think back to the connections that she had with people and what influence she had. So I do think that she played a huge role in my decisions. But again, being a younger person, it was rooted in ego. And now it really is rooted more in, in wanting to make connections with people and helping people reach those levels of functioning that my mom was able to when she recovered. Uh, we're real sorry to hear about uh, your mom's passing. Um, yeah, for sure. Thank you. We've, we've definitely both been there. I'm, I'm lucky I still have my mom, but my dad passed years ago, and we lost uh, Beck's parents over the last few years, too. So uh, we know how hard that is. Um, mm -hmm. So incidentally, Thank off you. here, if you need to talk at all for any reason, just reach out. We're here for you. Yeah. Um, I am so appreciative. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's funny that, you know, you, you find yourself doing one thing for a certain motivation and then you find once you're actually in it and doing it, that the motivation changes, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, it's funny, you know, you're like, you know, initially it was, it was an ego thing. It was, you know, you wanted to be, you know, wanted and needed and help and, and all that. And now it's morphed into this other thing. And, you know, that's, that's great because, you know, it's, it's a, if anything else, it's a sign of growth. Yeah. You know, very, very cool. Um, we're going to go and we're going to take our next uh, quick break. So everybody can um, have a minute. Go, so uh, Go have a tinkle. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to go there, but you did. <laughs> oh. All right, so uh, we'll we'll catch you guys on the other side of Alexander Rodriguez. No one is alone. No one here to guide you. Now you're on your own. Only me beside you. Still you're not alone No one is alone Truly no one is alone Sometimes people leave you Halfway through the wood Others may deceive you You decide what's good You decide alone But no one is alone People make 
sinking to their own, sinking there alone. On her their mistakes, everybody makes one another's terrible mistakes. Witches can be right, and giants can be good. You decide what's right. You decide what's good. Just remember, someone is on your side. Someone else is not. While you're seeing your side, maybe you forgot that they are not alone. We're back. Are we back? I think we're back. Hey, welcome back to the Man Show, where we're talking all <laughs> things tools and cars and grilling things and and, and boobies and, and not what? No, no, wait, no. I'm I'm being told by the Home Office. No, this is not what this show is about. Uh, welcome back to Voices for Change 2.0. Uh, again, uh, boobies, boobies, <laughs> boobs. Um, wow, this degenerated fast, yeah, didn't really it? Did. I blame yeah. I blame you. <laughs> Go ahead and blame me. That's fine. I, I'm the only chick here. You're the one yelling boobies in the background. That's all I'm saying. You know, I was just talking about sports and beer. grilling stuff and beer and raw. <laughs> Dear God. Oh, okay. stereotypes are fun. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you thought we've been married for a while. A little bit. <laughs> we oh. hang around each other far too much. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. So we're going to launch into our next question, which is for Rudy and Kirk. Uh, we'll start with we'll start with uh, <laughs> Kirk and let Rudy ponder. Uh, <laughs> so, so what is your grill of choice, Kirk? No, shush. <laughs> what the true question is? What made you decide to tell your story? Um, this one is actually. Uh, when I started uh, recovering, and um, I, I try to always make sure I state right away, if uh, you know, no one should be self-experimenting um, or dropping their medications. You know, make sure you follow your doctor's advice and your therapist. You know, speak to them before you ever change anything or try something radical. Um, what really happened was, I was I was never even able to go to the doctor on my own. Um, I didn't really do well filling out paperwork. Um, I was the, 
the generalized anxiety and the bipolar, um, the only time they could even get me into a doctor was when I was depressed. Um, they kind of had to wait uh, because during a mania, there's no way they could kind of even catch me or get me into a car. And I started doing really, really well under a different uh, treatment regimen. And um, my doctor and I, uh, I came in on my own and I filled out the paperwork and I came in and he looked at me and he's like, where's your mom? I was like, what do you mean? And so he went through and he explained that he's like, he's always had to come here. He's like, this is the first time he's like, what is going on? And at that point in time, we looked at each other and I, I said, you know, what can we do? How can we maybe get this going and help some other people out? And uh, we started doing some uh, case studies with uh, people that were recalcitrant to medication. So none of the medications and they were really desperate and the psychiatrists would send them to us and say listen they've tried everything uh, nothing has worked so we may as well give it a try it's experimental and um, when we started seeing you know positive results uh, that's when um, I actually had never thought about sharing my story um, I was just told to um, I had a good friend that I'd been sharing the data with and he looked at me and he said, he said, sorry, he's like, you got to get this out there. He said, write a book. Um, he said, do a blog, do a podcast. He said, just get out there and spread the word. He said, it's going to take a lifetime to get anybody paying attention. But um, that was, so literally that's the reason I started. And what I found from that experience was when I opened up and started sharing about who I was and the struggles I went through, um, it actually helped me realize a little bit more about what I was dealing with. It gave me some insight into myself. And the more I shared, honestly, the easier it was for me to analyze and self-analyze and pick out, okay, this is what's causing this. It allowed me some tools to actually improve myself. And at the same time, I found this amazing community out there that is open and understanding. And I didn't feel so alone once I started sharing. Um, and it wasn't even that, I just, just discovering these groups out there that were also sharing their stories. And that was so inspirational that they were willing to do it and they weren't scared telling everybody, um, all of those things helped kind of push me forward. So the book was kind of the catalyst, and my friend was saying, listen, you've got to do this. Um, and then after that, it was really just kind of a, I guess, a snowball downhill. Uh, once I started, it helped me so much, I kept going. Cool. Yeah, very cool. Absolutely. Absolutely can definitely uh, go along with that. It's a similar situation for me. Once I started talking about it, it, it made it easier for me to, to deal with it. I mean, I know just for me personally, I know I'm never going to be officially cured of this disease, and I'm okay with that. You know, I'm, I'm not one of those people that 
you know, doesn't like taking medications. I mean, I'm the first one to pound some aspirin when the headache just starts to crawl in, you know, but I, I, I just think it's really important that we continue to do things like this and talk about it and remind people that it's important to get these discussions out there. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Rudy, what made you decide to tell your story? Well, I wanted to answer your first question and say that I prefer the whole Kogan grill. Nice. Huh? <laughs> I didn't know there was such a thing. Yeah, there is apparently. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's a different story for a different day. Uh, what made me <laughs> want to start sharing my story? Uh, well, I think it comes down to this. I always loved being in front of an audience. I always loved being the center of attention, which is weird because I've always dealt with self-esteem issues. But uh, when acting didn't seem to be an option anymore, I started getting into public speaking because for me that was the next best thing except that I could be the center of my own story. I didn't have to be guy number two in a play that was like in front of four people under a Chinese restaurant. So it got kind of <laughs> addicting, but like I said before, it took me a long time to get to that point, but I'm glad I did. It was kind of just one of those things where it's like, I can't keep suffering in silence anymore. I have a story and it's either this or just keep wasting away, keep decompensating, and where is that going to get me? It's probably going to end in suicide, to be honest. So now that I have all this, it just keeps wanting me to, making me want to share more and more and more because any time that I'm unsure or afraid that sharing certain parts of my life is going to have a negative backlash, it always pays off in dividends. I'm not saying that uh, I, everyone loves me or all of my views, but it's always very rewarding when I put myself out there and I get people who email me or message me privately who say that uh, I'm so glad that you spoke up because I was too afraid to say the same things that you were. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's, that's a good feeling, too, when you know that the work you're doing is inspiring others to maybe take that next step Um, because it can be scary Um, you know anytime you're going through something and you're like well what do I do next you know and you start thinking well maybe I need to talk to a doctor about this maybe I need to see a therapist about this and that's that that's the next step and you we fear where we haven't previously tried uh, tread, you know that's that's human nature, and so to be inspired to take that next step, that is, I guess, tantamount to being my brother's keeper. You know what I mean? Um, being able to to show the way for someone that is afraid. You know, um, the end. <laughs> yeah, and you know, Joe, I, I, you really touched upon something. I think the main objective for any public speaker or storyteller is to inspire others in the audience to share their own stories, to come out, because I, it's, it shouldn't be just about us getting on stage and just uh, flaunting our egos and thinking that everyone cares about our lives. In reality, people just want a uh, 
way to uh, have, a, have a channel to what they're feeling. So I know it's, it's kind of weird how I said that, but basically, uh, in, in simpler terms, people want someone to express what they're feeling, that they're too afraid to express themselves in the hope that they can get to a place where they feel strong enough to share their own story. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, Becky, right. Michelle, can I, can I jump in for a second? Sure. Sure. I was just, I was thinking about the conversation we were having off air about fraud and, and that's the thing I think that made me come clean with my own stories. The idea of, how challenged I felt by sitting in a chair and having my clients believe that I was kind of sitting on top of the world and never experiencing anything that they experienced and having them potentially see me as some higher being. And as being a therapist, I don't really believe that it's because I do believe in the equanimity that we, that we have in a relationship that there is, it's important for me to share at least some parts of myself when I can. And, and sometimes that relates to you know, symptoms I've experienced or different, um, ways in which anxiety has hindered my life. And, and it helps it enrich the relationship so much. And I just wanted to add that because I think it's a, a deeply important component to the therapeutic experience. Well, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I agree, you know, I think it um, puts things on a little bit more of an even level <clears throat> when you've got your own life experience, uh, dealing with a thing and you're helping others, you know, um, I kind of, I kind of look at it, you know, I used to teach guitar and, you know, for me, I, I've got 30 plus years experience playing. And when I was teaching, I was showing these guys how to do it. And knowing that I was once upon a time in their shoes and not having this knowledge and learning it, um, it, it made what I was doing a little bit more special for me, you know, because, you yeah. know, I knew where their, where their mindset was and, and could relate, you know, and I think when you've got a situation where, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's not a relatable experience, it's, you know, harder, I think, to convey, you know, what you're trying to get across, you know, um, that's just me. Yeah. yeah, that's absolutely, that, that can definitely be a challenge, no question. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to our next question. Um, we'll start off with uh, Ryan. Do you have advice for anyone recently diagnosed with a mental illness? Sure. Um, well, I'm assuming if they've been diagnosed, it means they've already seen someone that's helped them get that diagnosis, whether that's a therapist or counselor or a psychiatrist or even primary care physician, um, if you've gotten that diagnosis from a therapist, um, you know, I, I usually tell people not to run out and do online research. Um, mm -hmm. you're, you're unlikely to get information that's going to make you feel better about it. But I think right. what we all do, um, you know, being on social media, joining supportive communities, that that can be very positive. I just heard you all talking about the decision to share your own story, share your own experiences. And I think from the sound of it, everyone would agree that that's been a very positive experience. So when I work with, um, let's say, a patient who's just been diagnosed with anxiety, you know, they finally feel like they have a name for what they've been experiencing for such a long time. I do try to encourage them to, to their comfort level, share that 
experience or share that understanding with, you know, their significant other, uh, family that they trust, friends that they might trust, because that information is not only going to help get them validation, um, but it's also going to help them get the kind of support that they need that they may not have been getting before, that now people understand, oh, so when you're, you know, isolating yourself or so when you're, um, when we, when it looks like you're shy, you might just be anxious. And now that we know that it's anxiety, you know, what can we do to help you? I think those power, those conversations can be so powerful. Um, and it can take what can feel like a scary diagnosis and turn it into something that can be incredibly value, um, validating and something that can help you build the support that you need to continue on that journey of whether it be recovery or just sort of, uh, a new understanding of yourself. So I think that's always the first thing I think of when I think of, okay, you've gotten a diagnosis. Now what is, is to really, mm-hmm. to seek out, uh, that sort of support and validation that, that you have of yourself. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And how about you, Kirk? Do you have any advice for anyone recently diagnosed? Um, definitely. I think one of the first things is, um, to not feel defined by mm-hmm. the label. Um, I think when you get that diagnosis, I love what Ryan just said, um, where, you know, first of all, he said, you know, don't rush online and look up all this stuff. Um, I, I, I did a show yesterday, and um, I had looked up bipolar, just literally bipolar disorder, and the first three search results, the first one came up with, you know, what bipolar disorder was. I think it was like Wikipedia or something like that. And the third one down was uh, homeopathic cures. And I'm going, mm-hmm. okay, this is, for me, it's kind of a, a, a sore spot just because I've seen people that have been uh, properly diagnosed with a really severe uh, mental health issue. And um, they hop online um, and the person I'm thinking of uh, was a mom and her son was really suffering and uh, she just kept wanting to believe that they could fix it with herbs and some stuff like that. And, you know, he kept getting hospitalized. And so I think, you know, if you go online, I think the important thing is to make sure you check that information that you find with your doctor, therapist, um, just make sure that um, the information or advice that you're getting is, first of all, going to be helpful and not harmful. Um, and then getting back to the label thing, um, a lot of times people, I know I felt, I, I looked at my psychiatrist when he told me what I had, and I was like, no, I don't. And I left. I walked out of the thing. I stormed out. My mom was there with me. My poor mom was always covering for me. But, uh, um that it hurts and i learned over time that it actually is not something that the label itself i am not bipolar i am not ocd um or all the other things i deal with it those things have actually given me some strength and so i try to look at it when you when you do get that diagnosis don't panic number one and don't feel shame. There's nothing wrong in being unique and different. There's no one out there that's completely normal. And I, I think it's really important for people to just kind of make sure that they find the things that 
make them valuable or make them feel cherished in the world that's around them. And when you do that, the label gives you answers. It, it's a guide to help you find the best treatment, um, resources, um, other people that understand. It's not meant um, as a way to kind of define you. So everybody's going to be a little different. So, I mean, that would be my main thing is um, don't take it the wrong way. The doctors have to give you a diagnosis because that's kind of the way things work. You need a diagnosis so you can get the right codes and get the right medication and everything else. Um, and it is kind of painful when you get it. So, you know, I love the other thing that he said was share. Ryan said this and it was uh, share their feelings with you know, their spouse, their loved ones, their friends, their trusted, somebody that they really trust. I think any time you open up, um, it takes away a little bit of that uh, feeling of being kind of isolated and scared. For me, it was really terrifying getting a diagnosis. Um, and I think for most people, it, it is. So uh, that's the one thing I try to advise people is, you know, don't feel fear from it. You now have an answer. Now you can work and move forward. It's actually harder not having an answer, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. And just, just to piggyback on the whole going online thing, that's, that's a huge component of, of your healing is, is looking stuff up. But trying to force yourself not, not to do that is extremely important. And what I always say, especially if, if you've, you've gotten a diagnosis and you do something like go on Twitter, for example, and you reach out to people and say, hey, you know, I just heard this, you know, what what do you suggest is the best way to go, or what do you take, what kind of medicine do you have, whatever the case may be, and then you don't get the response that you're looking for, uh, it can leave you feeling very alone mm-hmm. and uh, not really sure what to do next, um, because you know, maybe people just didn't see your your tweet, but that's not how you feel when when it happens. So, for my part in that in that question, I would definitely say that not going to Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever the case may be, just social media in general, looking for quick answers. Uh, just try to forgo that whole thing because it really can end up putting you in the wrong direction. Yeah. In fact, to that end, our next question, and uh, I'll, I'll let my my beautiful, lovely, talented wife decide who's... Okay, we'll go with Rudy first. Okay, Rudy. Um, <laughs> oh. Do you, think, <laughs> do you think social media has a positive or negative impact on stigma? It has, it has both, of course. Uh, that is a trick question, Joe. Um, for me, <laughs> it's been mostly good, um, but I'm a man, so I don't get nearly as much as the uh, toxic comments that women do. So that's definitely a privilege that I hold. But for the most part, anytime I've shared, uh, it's been positive. There's definitely been the haters, especially when I talk about things related to bipolar and suicide and forced treatment. Of course, uh, they come out of the woodwork, but that is what it is. That's going to happen anytime you put yourself out there in front of a large audience. And I just accept that. But for the most part, no, I love sharing. And it's, I try to break the stigma, but 
you also see a lot of the stigma. Sometimes I just search for mental health related things on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, Twitter and just see awful things, awful, awful things. And hopefully that improves with more and more people like you and I and everyone else on this show, everyone listening, goes out there and proves them wrong. Not necessarily by uh, becoming some super successful business person or whatever, but just making sure that people know that you can have bipolar, you can have OCD or any other fun diagnoses, but still be a good person on the inside and do good things and be good to people. Definitely. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, what about you, Vince? What do you think? You know, I think I think about this a lot, actually. The more involved with Twitter I get and Facebook and so on, and I think I've seen such positive ways in which it's been used in terms of building community and so forth. But I also feel like to some degree that for some people it gets utilized in, in re- replacement of actual relationships and sort of becomes the only form of connection that people have with other people. And I think that that could be important in terms of if that's keeping you hanging on. But I also think the authenticity of relationships cannot be substituted by social media. So there might be people who become a little reliant on it more so than, than what's in their best interest. What Ryan had mentioned before is so accurate and so important. The idea of being diagnosed with something and then shutting down or self-stigmatizing and say, well, now I'm going to be a bother or so on and so forth is, is definitely a possibility. But relying on, on connections instead and building relationships and, and opening up and sharing the experiences with actual people and eye contact and hugs and hand-holding and, and those kinds of things, nothing's more important than that. So. So, yeah, social media is a complex one. I think that um, what I've seen recently that's become more and more alarming are the amount of people on Twitter who are making vague and sometimes even specific suicidal statements. And it really kind of throws people in the Twitter community into kind of a frenzy. I mean, for myself, I don't exactly know how I can reach out and I try. and, And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But I do wonder at times if what people are really saying is, and they don't know how to say is, can somebody just communicate with me? Can somebody, you know, send me a message? Can somebody reach out to me? Can somebody come visit me? Can somebody call me? Um, So, yeah, social media is definitely, it's it's a tough one. But it it does have positive and negative uses for sure. And just speaking a little bit towards uh, your 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 point, Vince. Um, if you are in some kind of trouble or struggling online, uh, there's a couple of different uh, resources. Does anybody anybody have the suicide prevention hotline memorized? Yes, it is. What uh, is it? One eight. It's one eight hundred two seven three talk T A L K, and I believe that's one eight hundred two seven three. 8255, if I remember correctly. Um, so you can remember either way. But uh, that's the, the toll-free number for suicide prevention, and everybody there is there to help. So if you are struggling, you know, it's, it's a good place to start. There's nothing wrong with giving them a call. Um, they're, you know, it's going to be anonymous. Nobody has to know. So you don't have to feel any shame or, or fear in calling. All right, I've got to memorize that number. There's also um, Crisis Text Line, which is uh, very, very easy to get to. You want to text 741741, 
and they do a great job as well, uh, especially with young adults. Uh, that's when I was I was training with them briefly, and uh, that's the bulk of what was coming in was was young adults, and um, they do a good job with that. And specifically online on Twitter, you want to go to at mh crisis angels. Uh, you can send them a DM and someone will get back to you, whether it be from the UK all the way back to Florida. <laughs> so um, just wanted to get those resources out there because our discussion, as, as valuable as it is, isn't, you know, it's existing to... It's not a substitute. Right, it's not a substitute for, for you know, speaking with a, a therapist one-on-one or a doctor or what have you. So... Um, you know, we just want to say right now that that uh, you still need to walk the walk, as someone said. I can't recall which one of you guys said that, but uh, walk the walk and, and get into treatment and do the work and um, keep taking your medications. It's incredibly important. So yes. I'll get off my, I forgot called it a soapbox. Yes. It's a good soapbox. <laughs> um, that- yeah. <laughs> that said, uh, it's uh, going on 12:30. We're gonna take uh, another quick break, um, so stay tuned. Uh, we're gonna be listening to "Real Me" by Kenneth Mogan.
Hey, welcome back to Voices for Change 2.0. Hello. Hello. How are ye? How's she going, eh? <laughs> um, I'm Joe. <laughs> She's back. If you don't know that an hour and a half in, we're going to... Yeah, you, we're going to have... We're going to take you out back and kick you in your shin. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anyway, we've got uh, we've got some some wonderful, fine, lovely, and talented gentlemen on the show with us today. I can't get him to stop saying the lovely and talented thing, so please don't write in. Um, <laughs> you guys, you guys have any problem with me calling you lovely and talented? Because I think you're all lovely and talented. I love it. That. It's, it's, it's a first for me, so I'm definitely embracing that. Thank you so much. <laughs> So I try and keep telling her every week, and she keeps not believing me. So, you know, sometimes as a man, it's nice to be known and be referred to as lovely and talented. Okay. Okay? Uh, Agreed. Okay. (laughs) Finally, someone's got my back on this. All right. This has been an argument for two and a half years. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll go to our next question now that we've... Hash that out. Um, for Ryan, how important do you think it is to take a break from social media? Oh, great question. So I and work. I, I as I mentioned, I work with people sort of across the po- uh, population. So I do have an opportunity to work with kids as young as eight and ten, if you can believe that. But I do get a lot of high school and college students, and with the proliferation of social media options and the sort of expectations I think that especially teenagers and young adults sort of it's both put on them by I guess society and it's put on themselves they sort of assume that they have to keep snap stack excuse me they they assume that they have to keep uh, snapchat streaks going and liking all their friends posts and and doing all these things that you know, when you pull out and look at the big picture, just have little to no intrinsic value. Now, the teenagers mm-hmm. might disagree with me when I say that, but, um, you know, I, I've worked with a lot of high school students who say, you know, more often than not, the social media is a stressor um, than anything that actually gives them any sense of, of pleasure or positive engagement. So to that end, I think it's a, incredibly important to take a break. Um, and, and even if, if not a break, you know, the, the sort of side approach that I talk about with my young adult patients is, you know, instead of thinking of social media as a place where you have to, um, you know, interact and like and check in and all these different things, think of it as a creation tool. Think of it as something that you can be creative with. Um, you know, use Instagram to develop your photography skills. You know, use um, TikTok to sing ridiculous songs and, and have fun, um, you know, use these things to, as a creative measure. So that actually something that, that would boost your self-esteem, that would make you feel good about what you're capable of, as opposed to something that's just going to make you feel bad about, you know, not having posts that are liked enough or, you know, um, not having as many followers as some other people that you might know. So to that end, it's incredibly important to take a break every now and then. I, I certainly try to. Um, but at the same time, as I'm talking about this, I also find that I have to sort of know what the kids are up to. So it's a, it's a <laughs> sort of double-edged sword that I find myself with. But, um, you know, as, as I said, I try to make use of it in as many positive ways as I can. 
Cool. Very cool. Yeah. What about you, Kirk? Um, for me, I've found there's a couple things that uh, I definitely would agree with um, what Ryan just said. Uh, I think uh, it can be a huge stressor at times. So for me, um, my version of taking a break, some of my job relies on me needing social media. So um, the way I kind of take a break is I step back, and I really love what Ryan said by turning into the tool. Um, for me, I kind of get step back, and I'll use this a hashtag, and I'll search for things like, you know, compassion, kindness, just positive things. Um, so I can just sidestep all of the negative noise that's out there. Um, that allows me to kind of somewhat take a break from it and still utilize it for what I'm trying to do. Um, and it also kind of keeps me on my journey of trying to stay away from uh, being negative and you know being a negative uh, influence in the world. Um, I just don't want to. Uh, I kind of went through that and my life was not a happy time at that. So uh, that's really, I think it's very important to figure out the best way. And there's different ways to take a break from social media. Um, like I said, for me, I, I just look for different things and I just avoid the news. I avoid so like certain things that are going to maybe um, hit me or set me off the wrong way. Um, and um, I do find that it's important. Uh, and there's, uh, like, if I go away vacation, I really try to just uh, stay away from my phone. It's really hard to do that, by the way, um, even for myself. And uh, I think, you know, for a lot of the young individuals I work with, um, almost all of them have these Snapchat, or Snapchat streaks. Um, and I, I don't think that those things are always healthy, uh, you know, because they're spending all day long just on their cell phones but they're not really communicating. Um, and as mm -hmm. Vincent had said before, you know, you want to be able to actually connect with the person. And so I love it when somebody picks up the phone and gives me a call or sends me a real message that's heartfelt. It doesn't always have to be just verbal, um, but I think uh, using it the right way is important and taking a break the right way is important too. Now, Indeed. I have to say that I wandered into the, the Snapchat arena very briefly, was it a year or two ago? Yeah. First thing that happened to me within the first five minutes was someone sending me a picture of their private parts. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I immediately deleted it and have never looked back. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't understand the appeal of the whole Snapchat thing, but, you know, there's people that go on Snapchat that don't like Twitter, and I'm... I'm into Twitter. Yeah. So yeah, our, our niece is on Snapchat all day long, yeah. and um, I don't get it, you know. And unlike with Twitter, which at one point I used to say I don't get it. Um, <laughs> I know, learned him. She learned me. <laughs> but uh, now with Snapchat, I don't. I don't want to learn it. I no. just have no interest. No, I don't either. You know. So it's because we're old. Is it because we're old? It's because we're old, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for MySpace to come back around. You can still go on MySpace. It's just, MySpace it's just a wasteland. Cool. It, it was cool. It was, 
I worked, I spent hours making my profile on MySpace. Yeah, I didn't. Um, yeah, my MySpace is, I think, a, just a barren wasteland now. Yeah, at this it is. Point. It's so sad. It's sad. Um, next question. Uh, I'm going to skip this one and go okay. to the next one. Alrighty. And, uh, gentlemen, I don't know who to start with. Uh, how about Ryan? Please tell us uh, the types of coping skills that you recommend or utilize. Well, it would probably depend on what the coping skill is needed for, um, you know, as a as someone who practices uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and DBT or dialectic behavioral therapy, there are a lot of different kinds of coping skills, as you can imagine, based on the problem that's in need. Um, but, you know, to give you a sort of generic one um, that I've found useful in, in several situations um, for uh, a surprisingly large amount of my patients is just really simple uh, mindfulness coping skills. In my experience, the sort of um, the spectrum of anxiety and depression is sort of being negatively focused on the future in the case of anxiety in a lot of cases, or uh, sort of negatively reflecting on the present or the past. A lot of times in the case of depression, um, it's not that black and white, but that's just sort of a helpful um, spectrum that I offer to my patients. And then in the middle is the present, is what's happening right now. And if you can tune into the present in a non-judgmental way, um, with something like a coping skill that's generally referred to as like a five, four, three, two, one method where you're tuning into each one of your five senses. Um, so you do five things you can see, four things you can hear, three things you can touch, um, two things you can smell, and one could be a, a little snack or it could be a deep cleansing breath. And that type of an exercise just can be incredibly valuable whether you're dealing with sort of anxious, intrusive thoughts, um, low mood, just to help you focus on what's actually happening right now where you are. Um, so that's the coping skill. Again, it, it's sort of a general and a very introductory one, but I do find that it helps uh, a lot of different situations and just kind of tuning into what you're actually experiencing in the moment. No, thank you for that. I think that will be very helpful to a lot of our listeners. Yep, including sure. me. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Rudy, how about you? What type of coping skills do you utilize? Coping skills, um, going through MySpace.com in the year 2019. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's funny because I, I, I couldn't help myself. I went to MySpace.com right now. It's, it's seriously just like a list of like really dumb news articles and asking <laughs> the next yeah. two musicians. And like the first suggestion is Taylor Swift, who doesn't even have a profile photo. So Good time there. Uh, yeah, I know that. Uh, as far as skills, yeah, I, the less said about that, the better. Let's just say that. So, as, as far as coping skills, I, you know, a couple of things. I love going for long walks. I go. I love going for long drives, especially. Uh, I love getting lost <laughs> while driving. It's as weird as that sounds. Uh, for the most part, sometimes I get like trapped in weird areas that I feel scared of. <laughs> but I, I love going through, say, canyons or going through hills and going along the coast. I love those things because it just gives me a long time where I'm not like looking at a screen or getting distracted by a lot of things. I can kind of get lost in my own head 
sometimes to my own detriment where I get zoned out and just completely forget where I was going. That's totally fine. So basically anything related to where I can just zone out and just uh, kind of just enjoy my surroundings, I love doing that. Okay. Cool. Sounds good. I have one more coping skill. Okay. That's uh, listening to the Voices for Change 2.0 podcast. There you go. Such a brown. Sucking sucking up will get you everywhere. Campaigning for his. Will that will that get me on for six times? Next appearance, yeah, we'll see. No, I think this is the sixth time. I think that'll get you on for the seventh time. Yeah. So. Um, Hopefully, my blazer. Can I right, guys, add so, one thing really quickly to oh, that sure. one? Um, I just mm-hmm. wanted to say uh, really quickly, if anyone is not familiar with it, um, I have found uh, neuroplasticity. Um, that's pretty much kind of daily working on, like, how you think and changing the way you think has been really helpful for me in, in a lot of different ways. Um, and also breathing exercises um, for anxiety, panic attacks, um, those two things have really helped me a lot. So those are two that I highly suggest uh, at least looking into. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I agree. Yeah, we're, we are getting down to the wire here, so yeah. we're going to have to um, sign off pretty soon. So what we want to do is uh, get all of you to talk a little bit about your social media, where people can find you online. Yeah, and what I was thinking is we could have the guys do that and get that part out of the way, and then if we still have time for one or two questions, we can ask those then. But we want to make sure we get your information out there for our listeners so in case yeah. anybody wants to reach out to you. Definitely. Vince, why don't you go first? Sure, thank you. On Twitter, my handle is at ScribeTherapist. It's S-C-R-I-B-E, Therapist. Um, I also have a blog called HealingPros.com. It's where I do most of, of pretty much all of my mental health writing. Um, I do have a Facebook professional page. It's Vincent Fitzgerald, LCSW. Um, I'm also available on Instagram, although I probably use that platform least. But I am easily accessible on on Twitter. My direct messages are open. I know it's kind of daunting to say that, but they are. So if people do want to reach out and connect in at least in some initial kind of way, then I'm available for that. But, you know, hopefully check out some of my writing, leave comments, um, visit my professional page, and I'm happy to chat. Awesome. Okay, great. Uh, Kirk? Yeah. Um, the best way for reaching me is definitely uh, my my Twitter account, and that's uh, at and then chaos2cured with the number two, so chaos number two cured. That's also the name of my book. Um, all sales of my book, all the proceeds go to a nonprofit charity. Um, and uh, as far as that goes, uh, I wanted to way back to the very beginning of the show when uh, Rebecca had mentioned that she has to live with bipolar. There is no cure, um, and, and granted, I'm, I'm doing really well, and I'm labeled as in remission, but we have no idea if there's a cure, and I'm not stopping to take any medications. So uh, chaos to remission just didn't ring very well. So uh, that's why <laughs> the book is titled that way. So chaos is cured, um, and I'm also on Facebook, you can hit me up, DM me anytime uh, with uh, particular questions. I'm all, I'm always happy to help. Awesome. Okay, Ryan. Yeah. So um, let's see. 
On Twitter, I'm at Engelsry, which is E-N-G-E-L-S-R-Y. That's my personal Twitter account where I do a lot of general mental health stuff sprinkled with the sad state of uh, Washington, D.C. sports teams. And <laughs> then, uh, let's see, um, my podcast is Pop Psych 101, and we are everywhere at Pop Psych, P-O-P-P-S-Y-C-H 101, um, every social media you can think of we are there in some capacity so feel free to reach out to me um at either of those places if you're interested in uh seeing more of what i write about i'm on medium um at ryan engelstad where i talk all sorts of things mental health so happy as as the other gentlemen have uh graciously shared i'm happy to help as well so please reach out to me anytime all right and rudy last but certainly not least Hey everyone, I'm Rudy Caceres. Uh, I'm at Rudy Caceres on Twitter. On Instagram, I believe that's in the live chat, but apparently my name is really hard to spell. I'm also on Facebook, uh, where I host a weekly Facebook live show called No Restraints with Rudy Caceres, where I interview some of the leading mental health suicide prevention advocates. I actually interviewed Rebecca Lombardo, who you may know, last year. That was lots of fun. <laughs> And uh, I'm excited to, to interview, uh, keep doing those interviews. I also do uh, a monthly interview show, Facebook Live show for The Mighty, which I did yesterday. That went well, so you can go check that out on facebook.com slash mental health on The Mighty. And that's basically it for me. I live in Los Angeles, so if you're in the L.A. area and want to collaborate in some way, you want me to interview for The Mighty and you're a mental health advocate, please get in touch. Um, my DMs are also open. You can also go to RudyCaceres.com. There's a contact page on there, so you can email me. And you can go to NoRestraints.net to see all past episodes and future episodes of No Restraints, uh, which is a great way to see them all in one convenient place. And I highly recommend you go check the one out with Rebecca Lombardo. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> I don't know who she is. Yeah. She, she thinks and I hate her. <laughs> no, All right, um, so we've got about five minutes left, and uh, don't really know who to pick. Don't please don't think that I'm biased. That we don't, we can't get all four of you in. But um, how about Vince? Tell us about your current projects. Um, current projects. Mostly, it is cultivating a private practice. I'm focused on. Bowen Family Systems Theory. Um, I do a lot of writing about Bowen Family Systems Theory. We didn't get a chance to talk much about that now, but it's um, something I adhere very closely to. Mostly through writing. My blog is healingprose.com. I am also, I write creative nonfiction. I work on personal essay pieces. I've been published in a couple of different um, personal essay venues and so on. A couple of different books, Dad's Behaving Dadly, that kind of thing. So mostly right now it's writing and, and practicing psychotherapy those are the two things that are probably the biggest passions of my life besides my wife and kids okay cool all right well according to scott we can get all of you to uh talk about your current projects but you've just got a minute to do it so let's see if we can do it (laughs) uh kurt what about you i am i just finished a fiction uh book a hundred thousand words and in the process of uh creating agents just had to write the 
synopsis in third-person present tense, which I do not like doing. Um, I finish that. And then um, the other thing that I do is teach violin um, and run a music institute uh, as the head violin instructor um, and absolutely love it. Uh, those are my two main things. And then, um, of course, on the side, uh, I, I do as much as I can to be out there and help people and just, you know, uh, be kind and compassionate. That's about it. Awesome. Thank right. you. Ryan, what about you? <clears throat> so uh, I'll give you guys a sneak preview. Our, our next Pop Psych 101 episode coming out this Monday is going to be on Stranger Things, and we specifically focus on um, bullying by uh, the wonderful character Billy Hargrove. Um, so, <laughs> so you guys were talking about bullying earlier in the episode today, and so that's a, a relevant topic um, that we talked about at length um, in, through the lens of Stranger Things. So that's coming out Monday. And our previous episode was on an episode of Doctor Who in which he visited Van Gogh and sort of helped him work through some, some magical uh, depression and anxiety issues. So um, that's Pop Psych 101. Please check us out. Okay. Rudy. Rudy, what's your current project that you're working on? NoRestraints.net, NoRestraints.net, NoRestraints.net. <laughs> so, so what you're trying to say is NoRestraints.net. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of picking up a theme there. I am too picking up that theme. So, all right. Uh, uh, really, really, really quick. I want to, I, I want to say this really quickly here. Uh, while I got, got uh, just a second. Um, I am honestly bummed that while we were in Laguna Beach, we didn't get to connect with you in any way, Rude. Yeah. Oh, that that would have been awesome. What were you there for? Sorry. Mental health conference with Kindred, a company called Kindred. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, they're, I'd love to hear more they're about new. that. We'll 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 talk about we'll talk about that uh, offline. But yeah, that would that would be cool. Okay. Yeah, it was it was great. So now we want to come back and possibly move there. Yeah, we want to, we want to live there. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna wrap it up, guys. Um. So here's here's the I'm sorry there's the, there's the song I, I stuttered a little bit there I'm sorry it's okay uh, <laughs> don't, let, don't let it happen again um, we have just really enjoyed this conversation yeah it's been amazing uh, you guys all four of you are are really really fantastic advocates for mental health and we're just really grateful that you decided to come on with us today and um, yeah thank thank you so much guys for for spending two hours with us uh we are eternally grateful and um you know if you have anything coming up that you want to be back on the show to talk about uh down the road you know reach out to back or myself um and uh, usually me though usually yeah. her cause, cause she's <laughs> i'm the one that's in charge yeah she's, she's in charge i'm just the comic relief he's my arm candy i am her arm candy um, but, uh, you know, guys, thanks so much. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in for this very special episode. Um, and, uh, we will see you all next week. Uh, here is Pentatonic's cover of Imagine. Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye. Imagine
Welcome to Astro Kiki Radio. We are the e-news of astrology. Today, we'll be diving into the cosmic guidance from the stars, celebrities, and entertainment lifestyle. Thanks for joining us, and let's see what the universe has in store. Hello to you sexy, gorgeous, spicy friends and followers out there. We love you and are so grateful to have you joining us today for Astro Kiki Radio. We are the e-news of astrology. My name is Kyle Thomas and I'm a pop culture astrologer. We have a fantastic show planned for you today with celebrity drama, great news for Hollywood and star-crossed lovers, as well as a fabulous celebrity guest. Sam, take it away. 
Hey everybody, Sam Davidson here, entertainment news journalist, red carpet reporter, a entertainment news aficionado. I am so excited for our stories today. They are so interesting and we have so much to talk about. I'm also thrilled to have our very special guest, Craig Ramsey. How are you doing, Craig? I'm very excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. So you have an extremely, extremely interesting career. You've been on Broadway. You're a fitness expert. You have been on a bunch of different TV shows. I know you kind of wanted to go in specifically because it's like an encyclopedia of things that you do. Well, bless you. I wish you were my manager or agent (laughs) speaking on my behalf like that. Yeah, there's a lot to it, but I always like to concentrate on what's going on. And luckily for me, there's always a lot in the moment. So, yeah. So tell me about the shows that you've been a part of and how your fitness career has kind of turned into something within pop culture. Oh, bless. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good um, acknowledgement that it, it really has. I, I, five years ago, created uh, Stretch Class paired with wine tasting. And it initially was inspired by my Real Housewives clients because they said, you know, do whatever you want with me fitness-wise. You're just not taking away my effing wine. I said, well, I don't plan to take away your effing wine, but I do plan on including stretching, which is a workout for everyone. So I created Drunk Fitness, which uh, is all the craze in different forms. Like now it's like yoga and wine and beer and wine and such, um, or beer and uh, yoga. But mine is different because my stretching program actually pairs with the wines. So it's a wine, taste, discuss, and then stretch pairings back and forth. And basically Drunk Fitness, because we start with a, a full glass of champagne, even to warm up the palate before we begin. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. And tell me some of the TV shows and stuff that you've been a part of. I mean, and you've had so many celebrities sing your praises. Who, who are those celebs? Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, so I initially started off uh, in Canada and playing hockey and very typical Canadian. Uh, but I love to sing and dance. And in uh, exploring that, I was incredibly flexible. So that's where my career went to training with the Royal Winnipeg Ballet. So I started in ballet. I also uh, was a trained uh, circus performer, so I was a contortionist. What brought me into the U.S. in 1999 was the original pre-Broadway cast of Mamma Mia. My favorite play of all time. What? Really? Yes, it's my favorite. Oh, Dancing Queen. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing me, knowing you, we got a lot to discuss our last summer. SOS. Yeah, there you go, girl. (laughs) Uh, Mamma Mia brought me in the States, and I stayed uh, since then in numerous Broadway shows and such, but it was uh, overlapping fitness for years that inspired me to move to L.A. because I just got to that point where I knew I was going to be a glorified chorus person for the rest of my life, which was amazing. So grateful for the experience. But I, I wanted to my lines to, to, to uh, mean more than a script would and what a script was giving me the ability for. So then I came to L.A. and uh, did reality TV. So a lot of shows like Intervention with Jackie Warner and uh, Newlyweds the first year with my husband and we are reoccurring friends of uh, MJ from uh, Shaw's of Sunset so we just finished filming uh, some with her supporting her with that uh, so we always stay busy and and I guess relevant by just being us wow that's the dream basically of anybody in LA you know people I don't think be anyone though because I got a lot of flack when I first started doing reality TV and like putting my taint out on social media and getting it waxed you know <laughs> I, I think a lot of acting the acting community and my Broadway community judged me at first but now I think that we've crossed that line with social media where the general public demands to know even actors nowadays so there's a pressure just to be yourself and especially in the political climate that we have, if you don't stick up for what's right and what your opinions are, people 
people aren't going to want to see you. They're not going to want to go to your movies. And you really have to be just a, an honest, good person. If you're if you're not, then screw you. No one's going to care anymore about your career. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you definitely have your hands in a lot of different pots and entertainment. So we're really, really excited to have you today. Thank you. Kyle is going to bring us into our crazy ass week of a Mercury retrograde. So here's the forecast. Are we in retreat? Mercury retrograde? Yeah, I started this Unfortunately, past weekend. Yes. I'm a contract. I'm in a negotiation for one. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. Well, we can uh, we can okay. talk about some of the things that you can do to kind of alleviate any of the stress going Please. forward. Please. So, okay. We are back with another weekly cast or forecast for you all, and this is going to be an intense one. Astrology brings many different assets to our li- lives. On one hand, we can use it to predict certain things, but we can also use it in productive ways, too. Also, when we have something a bit more difficult, like this funny Mercury retrograde we are just starting now, it is causing us to evolve and shift our perspective. Challenging or difficult situations from the stars above aren't here to actually hurt us. They're here to make us stronger like steel. So that's just something we need to really think about. You know, we have been talking about Mercury retrograde a little over the last couple weeks because of the shadow periods, and it is going to be making itself really noticed this week. This retrograde is going to last all of July. No! Yeah, all of July. And we're really going to finally be caught up around August 15th. So literally everything that's been going on since about June 20th, until August 15th, we're going to like have to change and shift. Happy okay. summer, everybody. Yeah. And the universe is not trying to screw us over with this? No, no, no. So, so here's the thing is, you know, there, there are going to be some errors in communication, technology, or even relationships, but Mercury Retrograde is important to, to use the, the re in our, in our lives. So readdressing, reviewing, restarting, reflecting, going back to these old projects, friends, or lovers, because... It, it shows that there has been something of value that we've missed, whether that's in that contract or whether that's in that friend or business associate you had or that lover that some, you know you disconnected with and is now potentially in a better position to be with you. you know, whatever, however that aligns for you know, each different sign and each different person. So friend requests or exes on, in, on social media? <laughs> I mean, Reach out to people? Uh, can you still poke on Facebook? Is this a good time yeah, to send those nice little poke? Poke is saying something, in, especially in gay community, something so different. You're opening up more than just communication <laughs> with an ex if you poke in anyone. Right? <laughs> uh, I mean, I would poke a few of my exes. But Ooh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, during, you know, this is actually, I've been trying to like teach people that this can be a lucky time, not just a scary time, because you can bring these things back to life. And it's funny, because like sometimes... You know, you get these messages from the universe where it's actually like, you just keep getting, you're thinking about this person, or they pop up on your, like, I had someone pop up on my Venmo yesterday, I literally was Venmoing Sam, and someone who shall not be named popped up on my Venmo, and I was like, are you kidding me? Well, did you guys know that um, Venmo stalking is actually one of the smartest ways to stalk somebody? People don't realize it's public. So you get to see like who that person is talking for dinner, who they're yeah. talking what to. What is on your Venmo profile? Just a photo, and it's attached to your phone number. And yeah. so then you can see a lot of people don't make it private, so you can see who people are like. Like paid money to? With. Really? Yeah. <gasps> I know, I know. No. And that's why I was like, and then I just looked at it, and I literally was like, no. 
I'm not, I'm not going there. And I didn't want to stalk, and I didn't. And so I just unfriended that motherfucking hoe. So, like, uh, bye! I already blocked his ass months ago. I want to know who this is. Oh, this is the drama. Every week he comes and slithers into this conversation. But, I again, this is what I'm saying. I didn't effing look for him. Is it fresh? Is this fresh? It's been four years of fresh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a burn hoe down. I mean, like, I, I can't. Anyways, um, on a lighter note, uh, so going back to the good things of Mercury Retrograde. <laughs> um, so I actually wrote the ultimate one and only guide to Mercury ret- Retrograde and how you can actually utilize it to your benefit. Oh, wow. So that's actually on my website for anybody that would like to check it out. It's kylethomasastrology.com in the blog. So yeah, so the, you know that's just one thing to kind of notice that's going on, and yeah, I mean I'm like, but there are people like friends that I actually have been thinking about reaching out to, or even business contacts. This is a great one too. So if you've had like a past project that stalled, or someone you collaborated with, or someone you just got like lost touch with, right? Talking to them now is going to be really fortunate for you because you can get that ball ro- rolling again. You know, there's there's a big project that I've been working on for, you know, certainly throughout most of this year with a company development. And, and those discussions are moving forward again because, you know, other things get in the way and we've got so many things going on at all times. But now I can kind of take a step back from other things and push that forward again. Well, so that's what is something. it, though? What is actually happening that, that dictates that those things? Like, oh, now it's okay. Is everyone somehow energetically more open to receiving things from the past and revisiting things? Like, I don't understand how it, 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 it manifests to the physical here. Totally, totally. So, you know, thousands of years ago, human, you know, humankind looked to the stars and kind of wanted to find a way to kind of see the patterns that were happening in their psychology, in the world around them, and try to map them. Okay. And that's why they could kind of see that, like, certain eclipses would signify certain things, certain, you know, moon cycles and, and movements of the planets. And that would affect the weather, too, right? Do, I think there have been, yes. I mean, there, there can be certain transits that do, you know, increase more thunder and lightning or increase drought, you well, know, things like that. Well, side question for you on that, there was two, like, big earthquakes this weekend yeah. in well, Los Angeles. I predicted that with Uranus going into Taurus. Like, I predicted that, like, a year ago. Really? Yeah. I'm not Way to warn us, Kyle. No, it's in my... <laughs> go to my blog, ho! It's in there! No one warned us from the yeah. one we had two days prior to the big, what, 7.1 one. Yeah. Um, I was jogging in, oh. in, you know, in Hollywood uh, on the street. I didn't feel the first one at all. But, oh, oh my yeah, goodness, I think it, anyone that didn't feel that 7.1 had to have been, like, passed out drunk. Or whatnot. I was cuddling with someone. You were. Yeah. And did then we both were like, cuddled? what's going on? Did yeah. you stay cuddled on the couch or did you both fall off? Or no. Uh, and wait, couch or bed? Where I'm were you cuddling? It was a couch. We were watching a oh, movie okay. and I'm really strong. So I held on. Nice. Yeah. It was <laughs> shaky. Oh, I've got you, baby. <laughs> Sam, where were you? I was in a movie. <laughs> oh, and did you all know what was going on? Yeah. It was like Armageddon. People started like quietly whispering, and all of a sudden, like earthquake, earthquake, earthquake. Tell me you didn't finish eating that popcorn; you just kept going. I sat there, yeah. I yeah. Stayed. <laughs> Tell the story. Oh yeah, so there was um, this like weird couple in front of me and my friend. Just side funny story, but um, it was you know this they weren't related. It was an older man with like this younger woman, um, and when the earthquake started happening, he just bolts and starts running, <gasps> and, and she goes her? and she screams, "Daddy, Daddy, wait for me, Daddy." <laughs> 
And then but wasn't um, biological daddy. It was definitely <laughs> no, no. it was a hundred percent not her daddy. Um, I mean her daddy in some ways. Then they kind of like trickled back in after the earthquake stopped and she's like, Daddy, what do I do? And I'm just sitting there. I was laughing, I was in shock, I was terrified, but like like at least I'm gonna go down laughing. Hooray for Hollywood. Yeah. This is what we're about. Hollywood. <laughs> totally, totally. I was butt naked. Oh, man. I mean, stark naked on my couch. Sorry for anyone that comes over to my house. Uh, yes, I do walk away every so often, uh, you know, naked. Um, but okay. Brandon, my husband, uh, felt the initial impact like two minutes before it, the big one happened. He felt something, and he said, oh, there's, a, there's an earthquake. And I said, no, 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 I'm just walking really heavy, like heel to the toe, not like dancer background. Yeah. And sure enough, it started rocking and rolling, and he goes, get in underneath the door frame with me. And I was like, no, where's my clothes? Because <laughs> it was bad right away, yeah. right? Like, it started shaking. I was like, I am not going down naked in the rubble or whatever, because we didn't know how far it was going to go. So it took yeah. me about 30 seconds to put my clothes on, and then it was still going on for another 30 seconds. Yeah, it was about a minute long. Mm -hmm. Well, this is going to continue for seven years. Oh, earthquake? Like that yeah. big, we're going to have... They make it worse. Really? Yeah, I, yeah. I think they will too, yeah. Because Uranus is Uranus rules the Earth. Uranus is Earth, and it's the first, first Earth sign. And so uh, Uranus is the planet of earthquakes and, you know, revolution and liberation and shaking and electricity. So that's going to happen. But when, you know, Uranus moves into Gemini, we're going to see more lightning storms. We're going to see more things like that. So this isn't fair. Our gas is already higher than anywhere else in, in America. Yeah. Now it's skyrocketed more. Yeah. yeah. But then, do? you know, there's improving. We can improve different ways that we're working with the Earth and, and gas and things like that. With, cause, because your uh, Taurus rules, okay. you know, the Earth. But then Uranus is, is the genius is in, in, you know, creation in those mm -hmm. ways. So. I'm wearing panties to bed. <laughs> Just in case my socks and shoes are at the foot of the bed now. Um, from yeah. that earthquake, I am ready. Well, a nice positive Mercury retrograde story, kind of, though, is that um, I have a really close friend that, like, literally I haven't talked to that much in the past decade, and she's come back into my life over the past couple of weeks, and, like, we're seeing each other talking all the time. Like, there wasn't even really a negative fallout. We just yeah. were in different points of our life, but she was a really close friend for a few years, and now she's back. And yeah, like, she's such a sweetie. Yeah, That's she's great. so sweet. Kyle's met her a bunch yeah. of times. Did you reach out or she reached out to you? She reached out to me, and I was like, yeah, sure, I'm down. Mm -hmm. Can we make a pack, all three of us, and anyone listening if, if with Mercury Retrograde and with your advice? Who is one person that you, that this resonates with and that you want to connect with that mm -hmm. you haven't in a while? Can you vocally uh, No, that? I can't say who. Why not? I'm not going to say <laughs> You're not going to? That's no. not playing the game, right? And everyone's going to social media tag someone and well, connect. Well, who would like, you send? Who would I? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe like an, a family member or something. I don't talk to her as often. You know, reach out, see how they're doing. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of people that aren't in my life anymore for a reason. So mm -hmm. maybe keep it that way. You know, be careful who you choose. Mm -hmm. But it, this is a good time. It's a it powerful time to do that if you've been thinking about it. So what yeah. about you? Um, Chuck Leonard. I'll, I'll connect with my grade five school teacher who was Aww. such an incredible influence in my life because I thought at that point I was stupid. I didn't have a, a lot of self-confidence. I was like an ADHD kid. Yeah. And Aww. he just instilled some some great power in me. Like he um, actually manipulated my uh, 
grade in, in one of my tests uh, just to test like if I was going to be motivated from getting an A and I was and I worked so hard and he was a great male influence he came from a football background and he would be able to bounce his boobs oh like this. God. Just like you're doing right now. I am doing it oh right now. Wow. Yeah. I need a video of this. We will get a video of, of this. <laughs> um, but I learned how to do that from grade five, like watching him. And I learned so much more than just boob bouncing and dancing, of oh. course. But uh, yeah, I'll reach back out to him. I, I do need to connect if, if this is what's going on in the universe. Good. Well, I'm not going to reach out to someone. If this person reach, would reach out to me, that's different. That's why, like, oh, I'm not dear Lord. Oh, that's ego-driven, though. It's not ego-driven. It, no one is reaching out to anybody. In See, this I know. situation, I I'm yes, shaking my finger, you guys, in front of Kyle. Because it's an unhealthy one. Yes. Yeah, I think I, I'm only encouraging the healthy ones mm -hmm. and the ones that that there's probably just miscommunication. Like <clears throat> I have this one ex from Chicago that it took me, and I was so like Canadian um, uh, naive to it that I kept friend requesting him over and over again, <laughs> and, and then I was like, why, why is this not going through? Oh my god, he was denying it. Yeah. for years and I'm just like cut the crap like you're if you were yeah. in my life in that capacity there obviously has to be some greatness to you and a connection that we had that still deserves us to be connected in each other's lives somehow but you're a sweet and sentimental and kind man there are a lot of assholes out there and there are also a lot of people that are not in touch with their emotions yeah and you know I'm not saying that just to be a dick but it's like I have you know we've all dealt with people who have hurt us and don't care yeah, you know, thank you, next, for some of them. So yeah. choose wisely. What else do we have going on? Oh, yeah, on? so let me just finish off this quick... Um, uh, Welcome forecast. to having Craig Ramsey on as a guest. No, I, I love, love you. It. I love you. You're super fun. So, okay, yeah. So uh, another thing to notice here, too, is that on the 11th, uh, which is uh, Thursday of this week, we have a super fiery and potentially intense energy because Mars, the planet of sex and war and passion is shooting sparks at Uranus, which is, again, shocking events, liberation, and unexpected news. So this means that a lot of people are going to have, like, outbursts, explosions. This could mean explosions around at some places. This is so sexually driven, uh, I have to say. This is hot. <laughs> Mars is shooting, like, at Mayanus, it I sounds mean, like hey, you're saying. You know, something is I haven't gotten really hot so long, so, like, I don't know. God, I mean, it's but Thursday, maybe Thursday we're all getting laid. Well, I was going to say that's when my mom comes in town, so I think it'll be another kind of explosion, unfortunately. <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, with difficult aspects, we can use them in, in really positive ways. So, yes, exercise, exercise masturbation, you know. Sexercise. Yeah, sexercise. You know, great Thursday. sex with someone that's, you know, consensual and you really like them, that's great. Or you can use it in a creative way. You know, so that would be something that could really be positive. And, and then with yourself too. Don't don't ignore that. Like I think oh, everything totally, yeah. sounds mm -hmm. great. I mean that's I mean, trust me, my hand is very happy, I guess. <laughs> Do I don't you know. Your hand, but anyway, that is really weird. Really weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so then at the end of the week, on the fourteenth though, we again have another more challenging aspect, which is the sun, which rules our life force and our focus at any given time, is in a fight with Pluto. And Pluto rules transformation and regeneration, but also destruction. And so Pluto is kind of like a phoenix, and it's always energy that wants to be reborn. So because of this, we may notice some power struggles around this time. So if you are in them, don't try to push them, you know, it's, unless they're pushing you into something you don't feel comfortable with, then, you know, make sure that you are, you know, at least standing up for yourself and not, you know, being put into a corner. But you can actually use this energy to transform and be reborn in some area of your life. Mm. You can even use it in relationships. You can use it because if there's something that you either need to like rise from the ashes from, which I've been doing a lot of thinking about being like, oh, 
you know, thank you next from certain different things and being, you know, I burnt that down and it's time to rise anew and feel great in mm. different ways. You know, this could be love, this could be work, this could be money, this could be any way. So if you use that energy, you can be reborn. So, so that's Friday. Uh, that the 14th is actually Sunday, so Sunday. we're feeling this the 13th, 14th, and 15th of next week. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know what some good advice Jackie Warner gave me with my first reality show? Because mm-hmm. she she's known to be quite harsh and all of that, um, and the best thing that she ever taught me was they can't yell at you if you don't pick up the phone. Which yeah. is great because in the heat of the moment when someone does call you and, and mm-hmm. they're at it, all they want to do is use you as that outlet to release mm-hmm. whatever frustration or tension they have. If you just pause the button on that and then give a breather, it always is is, is a little bit better and easier exactly. to go. Which exactly. sounds like goes along with what we might all be up against. Well, yeah. too bad. My mom really knows how to pick the best times to come visit me because she is coming on Thursday until Tuesday. So Kyle might be getting some late night phone calls, me crying, being like, Mom, speak so mean to me. That's the scene. Do you have like a studio apartment and you have to, or like no, a double bed? No, I, uh, well, sometimes we do share a bed, but she now refuses. She's, I have a huge king bed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it's going to be a really interesting trip. I have a lot of cleaning to do before she gets here. So I'll get, like let you guys know next week what shit show. Does she judge happens. your cleaning? Oh, yeah. She thinks I'm disgusting. Oh, well, next week is the eclipse. Lovely. I know. This month is such a shit show. I told yeah. you Okay. So. So All right. Let's jump on a story. Yes. All right, guys. Thank you so much. And thank you, Kyle, for telling us about our crazy-ass week ahead. <laughs> Stay tuned for the top news stories, celebrity news stories of the week. everybody welcome back to astro kiki radio we are going to be diving into three of the most controversial and craziest stories within hollywood this week so the first one it's something that people are talking about a lot and it's very complicated so i am going to give you guys my best professional um, summary of what's going on here with taylor swift and scooter braun and scott borchetta so everyone knows who taylor swift is Scooter Braun is also a pretty big name in Hollywood. He is a manager and producer of some of music's biggest stars. We're talking Demi Lovato, Ariana Grande, Justin Bieber. He's like a kind of Kanye West's manager. I mean, he works with almost everybody. And at one point, he actually did work with Taylor, but that's not something I I knew. So Taylor went on to Tumblr this past week, which is a very old form. Who's still on Tumblr? Taylor Swift has a lot of really intense fans on Tumblr. Yeah. It's super random. So she went and released this like long public letter saying that um, Scooter Braun bought her entire catalog essentially through um, her first album to Reputation, which was her this past album. She has a new album coming out, but it's not released yet. Um, and he bought for $300 million the rights to all of them. So a little bit of backstory on that, though, is that in 2000, a 15-year-old, Taylor Swift, signed with a Nashville-based independent label called Big Machine Records, and that's where she recorded her first six albums. She left in 2018 to join Republic Records, but her master recordings stayed under the CEO, Scott Borchetta. That's where this other guy comes in. So according to Scooter and Scott, Taylor had an opportunity to buy her master's, and she chose not to. She's claiming that is not the case. 
um, and that she has absolutely no rights to her music, and it's really turned into, she says Scooter Braun has bullied her, the whole Kanye and Taylor and Kim debacle has kind of come back into play. Justin Bieber has really sided with his manager. I think the only one of um, Scooter Braun's clients that hasn't spoken publicly is Ariana Grande, who apparently isn't is being told to not talk because she's not in line with what her management is doing. She thinks that, um, rumor has it that she thinks Taylor deserves the right to own her own music and to buy her own music. So because of this, like Taylor doesn't make a lot of public declarations of things and it's a big deal. And so her fans have gone totally crazy and they've in support of her of course in support of her yeah so they're you know sending like death threats to like scooter braun's family and it's just really been taken out of control like there's definitely a better way i think to go about something like this than posting it on a platform um like she did that said it sounds bad but this is something in the industry that happens a lot michael jackson bought the rights to all the beatles music it's um, there's been a lot of cases, and they're controversial, but it is what people do. So it this is a hot mess of things. A lot of people are on Taylor's side, though. Um, she has like a lot of her girl crew, Cara Delevingne, who's a good friend. Um, Katy Perry has spoken publicly. Halsey, Iggy Azalea, Alessa, Alessia Cara. Um, so many people, and then a bunch of people have unfollowed Scooter Braun on social media like Rihanna, Britney Spears, Selena Gomez, Miley Cyrus, Jonas Brothers, the list goes on and on. So this guy, he had a huge career, and I've personally interviewed him on the carpet with his wife, like, and we've talked about him on here before. I I don't know him, but I've always thought he was a really cool, nice Mm -hmm. guy. So Kyle has looked into this a little bit, but before we get there, um, being in the industry yourself, what Craig, like, what do you think about this kind of situation being given all the information? Well, I don't know if I have all the information. Not all of it, but, but what I just gave you. I do have a background with, with obviously performing, but I also was a trainer for Interscope Records. So I firsthand have, a, have had a lot of clients, huge names in, in the pop world. And I'm more sensitive to what their needs are because at times maybe they don't have the funds uh, because there is a lot of cost demands on them to buy their music at, at the appropriate time. Uh, so I think there's a lot of bullying going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, however, Taylor Swift in particular, I think that she has um, swayed to that side a lot. Like she's a bully herself. I, we've seen it. Uh, I think that she's a, a master manipulator for the media, and she she knows how to wrap everyone around her finger. I don't think she should have that much pull and credit, uh, because she's leading uh, a group that is. I don't want to demean her followers, and I, I shouldn't be saying a blanket statement like this. But they're easily followed into believing what she has to say. So I think people should pause button, listen to Kyle's advice that we're heading into, and not overreact and get too invested until the courts would have to play that out. Absolutely. So Kyle, what is going on with this crazy crew? Totally. So Scooter Braun is actually a Gemini. We were looking at those dates. Taylor Swift is a Sagittarius. So these are two signs that are opposite of each other on the wheel. This represents similar characteristics, but also a very different way of going about their path. Mm. Opposites can sometimes unite and attract when they are a yin and yang, but they can also repel and cause tremendous havoc when things go south. So in creating an artistry and all of that, it will bring them together because they complement each other well. Yes. So, like, you know, that's why, for instance, when I, like, I, I have this, like, very intense connection with 
uh, Scorpios. I'm a Taurus, so it's always like, oh, it's very intense and passionate and and great when it's great, but when it's bad, it is war. Mm, it's you war know, for them. like it, that kind of thing, you know. And but I don't ever go to war with anybody else like that. And like Scorpios are just insane, mm. you know. And unfortunately, the guy that I'm dating is a Scorpio. Ooh, drama. Whatever, whatever, whatever. It's not official, so I won't go official with anybody until like September. So because <laughs> astrologically, it's better for me. Anyway. Oh my god, uh, that'd be so difficult to date. I have to say, I'd be like, really? We can't just go with the flow? Like, come well, no, on. we can date. I just can't say that I'm your boyfriend. Oh my god, I'd have such a problem with that. No, I'm going to get, I would, I, if he literally had a problem with it, I'd be like, this is the date we can say yes. Really? What yes, we... because then it means that we're both going to, if we do this, we make money together and then we fall in love. And yeah, how is yeah. the rules? It's okay to be poor to, as oh, long god. as you're together and oh, you have that yeah. security. And... That's bad. I mean... <laughs> All right, so Taylor. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right, the thing that I'm noticing that is going on right now are a few different factors. Obviously, Mercury retrograde right now is causing a bit of a thunderstorm for them directly. For Taylor, it's falling in her seventh and eighth houses of partnership. However, this area of the sky also means she could be facing off with enemies in relation to ownership on property, large sums of money, and major deals, all things we actually see right now. For Scooter, this Mercury retrograde is falling in his house of income and possessions, as well as contracts and legalities. Again, we can obviously see that Mercury is causing all of this clash to be happening. This energy has been in flux since June 20th, as I mentioned before, and will continue to be sorted out by August 15th. This shows that some details have been overlooked on both sides, and neither of them is entirely innocent, per se. Also, it's eclipse season. Big things are always happening around eclipses, and we see a lot of chaos thrown into the air. With Taylor being a Capricorn rising, we are seeing eclipses fall in her house of identity, causing herself to be illuminated, illuminated and especially standing up for herself. We also see eclipses falling in her house of partnership, which again can be focused upon open enemies because that's a partnership as well. So this her versus them energy is going to continue to be a focus. For Scooter, the eclipses are in his house of money and income as well as karma. So this could mean that he's actually having to, uh, he's having big karma erupt here now from past things that have been going out of line for some time not even just from this. So that's there. Last, Jupiter, planet of miracles, is retrograde, retrograde in Sagittarius. So this means that while Scooter is blessed in partnerships and with allies this year until December, this energy is actually weakened right now. For Taylor, with it being retrograde, she was wanting to reevaluate important processes and plans that are going forward for the next 12 years of her life. Because Jupiter is in alignment for both of them, actually, I do think there will be a contractual agreement that favors them both, Although I do anticipate Taylor has more luck on her side and will get what she wants because Jupiter favors her more than mm -hmm. everyone right now. So that's really crucial. And <laughs> it's going to favor her more than next year because it goes into her ascendant. And then the last thing on this note is the final thing is Scott Forchetta. He is a Cancer and just had a solar eclipse fall directly on his birthday. So he is seeing major launches this coming year. However, with it falling in his identity sector, he's going to see drastic and major shifts and changes that he may not be expecting. The eclipses opposing him show that he's going to have to say face off with important people for the next year too. So this could be Taylor or it could be others. Interesting. Yeah, I mean no one knew who he was until a few days last week. So um, he's definitely uh, people know who he is now. They kind of all sound like tools. 
There's, there's yeah. a little bit of it that's just is disgusting on all fronts. Mm-hmm. I, I would when someone takes to social media and they complain about a situation in their public figure, I think it, it should have to do with morality more than anything. Mm-hmm. And if, as soon as you mention money and the specifics of money, because most people can't relate to that, it that just, level of money. Yeah, sure. it just immediately I think segregates her from from what, what the true passion and meaning of being a you know respectful human is. Yeah, but it's also her life's work. So it is and you know some but do you really think it's about like her work like she truly cares about the artistry of her work i think she i think she's really fighting for the money stuff well still i mean again i think it's one of those things that like i mean when you've created that yeah and you're you're being paid by that and that's a part of your ownership hell yeah yeah for that yeah no i i agree but i also in this industry i highly doubt that she's a singular unit of creating so there's so many other people in that process that are silent that, yeah. that um, I, you know, again, who knows all of the facts, but anything I've ever done or been a part of or seen is, is a collective effort. Yeah. And I hope that moving forward, she would recognize what that is on all fronts to protect everyone that was associated with this. Because she ultimately will win. Don't yeah. you think? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Kyle said that, you know, yeah, we, she probably will. So I'm sure we'll talk about this again, um, but it's a very interesting story. Our next story is um, Lil Nas X. So you might not recognize his name, but you would recognize his song. Um, It's the one that he just did with uh, Billy Ray Cyrus, Old Town Road. It's like huge on Billboard charts. And he is quickly becoming a really famous like country rapper. And it's just he's completely blown up in the past month or so. And um, he's a rapper and he's also in country music, which doesn't have a lot of LGBTQ people in it at all. Country and rap, neither. So um, Lil Nas X recently appeared on BBC America and he revealed that he once considered taking his sexual orientation to the grave and never publicly addressing it. But now that he has all this influence, he's decided that he didn't want to live his entire life not doing what he wanted to do and that he is homosexual and he wants to help other people come out. So people were very shocked by this on both the country end and the rap end, and he got a ton of hate on the internet. A lot of internet trolls came for him big time, and he has a now deleted Instagram post that was a picture of a cowboy with a sad face. And um, it's, his, it's his logo, it's his uh, yeah. icon. Exactly, and it's yeah. say one more homophobic thing to me. And it's super sad, but, like, of course, a lot of other people have come out in support of him. Miley Cyrus, who's Billy Ray Cyrus's daughter, of course. They're very close friends. Dwayne Wade, Cardi B, who he's also done a collab with, has um, been there to support him. So I just think it's A lot of male rappers, too. Male yeah. black rappers have come out to support him, which is really special. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really special and important. And, you know, it's funny because he said, he goes, I thought everybody knew. Like, why is everyone, like, freaking out about this? Did I not make it obvious? But people really, like, when you're a rapper, you're in country music, they don't assume those. Not unless you're headlining Pride and, you know, you're yeah. throwing sparkles into, mm-hmm. rainbow sparkles into the audience. No, you have to talk about it and, and share that. Mm-hmm. So, Kyle, uh, I thought this was an interesting story because he's sure. going through so many different changes and different aspects of his life right now. Absolutely. So, Lil Nas X is an Aries. The major thing that is going on for him is that he's being hit by major eclipses in his career sector. When this occurs, it puts you in the limelight and attracts attention from the public. Eclipses have a pendulum effect where they are most intense within the month that surround them, but also can affect you as a key theme for the entire six months. 
For Lil Nas X, his first eclipse in his career was January 5th. The next one is July 16th. The next one after that is December 25th. Another one hits next year in the summer as well. The most interesting thing happening right now actually is that there's a full moon lunar eclipse in this career sector on July 16th. This means that he is having a huge spotlight and illumination moments taking place because when you think of full moons, it's, it's the full energy of that, you know, culmination. So we're seeing him come out. That's literally what this eclipse is talking about mm. right now. And then Saturn also plays a factor in this full moon, causing things to feel a bit colder and possibly showing opposition to him. But the thing about Saturn is that he isn't going to be crushed under the weight. It is going to actually make him stronger. So that's really good to note. You know, speaking of Saturn, though, this is the planet of maturity, longevity, but also hardship, and it is in his career sector until 2020. This means that he is going to have to grind hard and make some, and, and he may have some huge rewards and payoffs. So this actually affects all Aries and Aries rising this way. And that's why we've been seeing so many people it, with those, you know, placements making huge achievements, and, and those will be coming true. Awesome. What does his ex have to do with this again? His ex? Yeah. It's just his name. Oh, okay. Yeah, Lil Nas Yeah. confused. I was like, what? His ex? He's yeah. dating himself, huh? No, he's, yeah, he's dating himself. He is his own ex. Well, good for him. I hope more people are inspired by that. I, I mean, the shift of energies is, is happening in 2019. Transparency is key. And uh, it seems like there are political climate. Of course, you're going to have bullies. We have a president mm-hmm. that that is the leading of bully. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so people are going to have a lot of negative stuff out there. But there seems to be a lot of positive. Yeah. Totally. So I like this story. I think it's going to turn into something really positive for him. Our third story, I'm interested to hear your guys' thoughts on this. So um, Aziz Ansari I'm sorry, he is one of the biggest comedians, Netflix, uh, you know, he had his huge show on Netflix, um, a ton of Netflix specials. He has been a pillar in the comedian comedy community for quite some time, but during the Me Too movement in 2018, there was some really controversial stuff that came out about him, and I'll explain in a little bit why we're talking about him, but... Here's what happened in, um, well, the sexual misconduct was actually 2017. It came out in 2018. So long story short, you know, he was on top of the world. He just won an Emmy the year before for his Netflix show. And he, you know, probably thought he was pretty freaking awesome and was sleeping with a lot of women. Um, He met a woman, a 23-year-old actor. How old is he? He's late 30s, early 40s. So it's not, you know, it's not terrible. But he met a younger woman. Um, that was a photographer, and at, at a she was working for an Emmy party the in 2008 or 17, and he got her number. They ended up um, going on a date, in which he really sped through dinner um, and was like, "Let's go back to my place." Took her back to his place and was just creepy. She kind of was giving him all the vibes, like, I don't want to do this, and he wasn't reading them, but she felt uncomfortable. She was young. She didn't really know what to do. He was, like, sticking his fingers down her throat, turning, they'd be just, like, kind of talking, and I read a lot about this story when it oh, came out. Oh, right, turning, I know. I'm just yeah, like, he would just kind of, like, turn her right. around and, like, bend her over, and, like, her clothes would be on and stuff, but she was just like, Oh, hell oh, no. I, I literally had a few guys try to diss me, and I was like, are you kidding well, me? Do you this know? Story, like, what? It, like, resonated with Ugh. me so much because, honestly, like, I've had creepy-ass stuff like this happen to me so for gross. 
so many times out of my time in Los Angeles. And when I was younger, there were a lot of times where I didn't say anything or I didn't do anything, especially if somebody was powerful, because I didn't really know what was normal, like what was right. Regardless, she left and texted him afterwards and said, I'm really upset. Like, that was not okay. All that happened was not okay. He kind of apologized and said he really didn't know. And, you know, the whole... um debate of consent and was brought into this conversation and he was just really loved until this and I liked him a lot too but I'm like I see you now I see the kind of dude that you are and a lot of people felt that way so he has been out of the spotlight until now Netflix just announced that um, they are doing a big comedy special and um, it has huge huge people behind it Um, Spike Jones is directing the comedy special and you know it's going to be a big deal it's his first time kind of coming out after this entire debacle and he's publicly said a couple of times he had a show a few months ago in New York saying that he's learned a lot you know about what are you supposed to do when you date and was kind of brought back down to earth I guess but I was just curious to see what was going on is this going to be successful for him and has he made some changes yeah, so Aziz is a Pisces. We don't know his rising sign, but we do know that some of the bigger transits are affecting him in certain ways. So, you know, kind of seeing some of his places of, like, limitation or, you know, some of the difficulty, I would love to know his rising sign. But, I mean, things are actually looking great. So the first thing I'm noticing for him is that he's going through eclipses in his sector of creativity and art, as well as eclipses in his sector of networking. This networking sector also ties to long-term planning and taking steps to make your dreams come true. These eclipses will be occurring for another year, so he's really in luck with all of those things. Jupiter Planet of Miracles is actually in his sector of fame and achievement since November of last year, and will continue to be gracing this area until December of this year. So things are really looking up for him and any other Pisces. Even though he did have that scandal, it really looks that people will not be focusing as much upon that as he's launching big things to try to divert attention away from it, and it's going to be successful with that, just legitimately because Jupiter's miracles and blessings. Also, with him being an emotional Pisces, it shows the sensitivity that he was facing the offense and owning up to it in a humbling way, and, you know, that's mature and responsible, you know, as, as much as I suppose you can be about something as grotesque as that. You know, I actually see a lot of great things for him for the coming several years, actually. 2019 and 2020 will be really big years for Pisces, 2021 is going to be a big year with lots of starts and stops and making plans for them, but 2022 will be a huge chapter that's launching for 12 years for him. Wow. Well, another one just skating along. Next, we're going to see Louis C.K. back and Well, but I hope this ever. guy, I hope that he, he has done the work. I hope that he is mm-hmm. educated and realizes what an entitled asshole he was to think that a younger girl in her 20s was interested in you. It doesn't exist, people. You older men, you have to understand that. Like, unless those, those, those people are, that you're trying to court are really mutually doing that and spelling it out for you, you are not attractive to them. They don't want to have sex with you. I was in the exact same situation as a young 20s. I was raised by someone that was... 15, you know, 20 years older than me, and and I, what happens in those situations for people that I can relate to. Now, however, I have my, my strong opinion how it's different for me as a man than it is for a w- woman, stereotypically, but um, 
because uh, I knew I could get out in that situation. I had a little more confidence. But in that situation, we do what we need to do in those moments because it's a Jekyll and Hyde situation. You're not expecting it. You're not expecting their the craziness to come out, and you have no idea what they're going to do to you mm-hmm. or how do, if your attempt to escape is going to trigger something that's going to be more violent and dangerous. So you perform acts. You engage. So that's why, and all those men are so oblivious to it, why you get the text message afterwards, I was uncomfortable. Because then that girl's with her girlfriends or she's with the authorities, hopefully, mm-hmm. and she's calling your ass out. I had a super powerful executive do this to me back in 2013. And you, you were younger. Yeah, right? and I still stood up for myself and I didn't care. And he was like breaking glass and shit. And I was just like, you're nuts. I performed the act. I had to, and and it's yeah. disgusting, and it makes me sick, and, and it still brings up a whole bunch of feelings, but in that moment, I, I had to buy myself time mm-hmm. to be able to manipulate totally. that situation, but all the Joe Bidens out there, they have got to learn, and hopefully Joe as well is, is addressing the fact he's kissing women's forehead. It's demeaning mm-hmm. to women. Grow up, man. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, you know, let, let's see if he kind of comes around and... Sounds like he's going to. Yeah. I, I would think that we would have to. He'd have to come to Jesus with that, and and maybe that's what's going to happen for his career to excel, like you're saying. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see if he'll address it in the Netflix special. But until know. then, you're a, a total dick. Yeah, he's a dick. Sorry, my personal opinion. <laughs> Me too. All right, so our celeb WTF of the week, and when I have these, a lot of times I feel guilty because I'm like, it's not like I don't like these people or I don't like this couple together, but it's like, huh. Isn't that weird? Are we analyzing them together? Yes. Mm-hmm. So the couple, so uh, Channing Tatum and Jesse J, they have been together for about a year now. Um, he was, of course, married to Jenna Dewan um, for nine years, and they had a kid, and they split up in uh, April of 2018. Mm-hmm. And um, then by October of 2018, he was dating Jesse J. And then November of 2018, these two were off to a really hot start. He went to her concert in London where she publicly revealed her personal struggles with not being able to have children, and he was super supportive. And everyone's like, wow, I really like them each, but I never would in a million years. Like, how did they even meet? How did these two come together? But they were obsessed with each other. They were PDA all over. They went to Disneyland, tons of PDA. At, at Disneyland? At Disneyland, well, yeah. Well, that's just inappropriate. I mean, I think it's cute. I can't wait to be like that. Really? Bro, I mean, like, I'm not going to be, children? like, banging my guy on, like, the rides, but I'm going to be, like, all cutie and, you know... Well, I'm really touchy, and I'm, I'm like, gonna I, look I, that I, up. My love language is touch. So see like, how far they they took it though, because there's nothing more obnoxious when you're in like a two-hour lineup and oh, going yeah. through it, where the same <laughs> couple in front of you is making out the whole okay, time. Okay, I'm not gonna be making out with my guy. Oh. Uh, I I know I hate that. Actually, <laughs> I have a I always had a prank idea I wanted to do at an amusement park for people like that. I wanted to bring like a little fart machine kind of and have a hidden camera and as they're making out in line just like keep really on doing it yeah, yeah see if that's they stop sexy. I know but unfortunately I couldn't do that for them I would have liked to see their reaction um, but what do you think of them then what, what is your opinion I love Channing Tatum so I'm jealous of anybody that's with him I like a couple of Jessie J's songs I don't know that much about her you know she's like from the UK and as just kind of like a random person in the industry that's done some cool collaborations um and yeah, she was with him for his birthday, like just professing his her love for him on Instagram. 
And she seems just like different to me than his ex, Jenna Dewan, who um, also, she was in my sorority in college, FYI. <laughs> so we're sisters, so I kind of stand up for my girls. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I was very curious to see if they're just like secretly compatible. Mm-hmm. Well, Jess J is an Aries with a Gemini rising. This gives her so much feisty, exciting, and just like sassy energy. She is here to have fun and love ad- adventure and stimulation. We don't have Channing's rising sign, but we do know he's a Taurus. Typically, Aries and Taurus aren't always the most absolute, uh, rapidly compatible couple, but the two signs do have a lot that they admire about each other. Which well, she's being stimulated by Channing, so yeah. Yeah. Of course, it's all good. Go on. Totally, totally, totally. Um, so we can see that they're, they're drawn to each other. Jesse, as an Aries, is more adventurous and spontaneous than Channing, a Taurus, but he likes this because it pushes him out of his comfort zone. Mm. Also, Channing's loyalty, devotion, and extremely sensual side makes Jesse J wild, which is why the two can't keep their hands off of each other. It makes us all wild. Right? Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> right? The thing that I love the most for them, though, is watching what was going on with Jupiter. Last year, when they were, went official, Jupiter, planet of miracles, was in Channing's house of partnership and marriage. The two of them connecting at that time shows that it is fated and actually blessed for them. This is a magnificent energy. Also, with Jesse J being a Gemini rising, this shows that now that J- J- Jupiter is across the sky in Sagittarius, so all of this year, she is actually most blessed in her partnerships and marriage now. So I actually could see the two of them taking big steps closer together this year, moving in, making long-term plans, or even getting engaged at some point in time. Some dates to watch that I've picked out, actually, are in the days that follow September 28th, or in the days after uh, October 27th, and, you know, they're, just, they're such a fun and hot couple to watch. Okay. I like it then. I, I support. take back what I said about you with your boyfriend, like addressing <laughs> these things, because it clued in on me. Timing is everything. Exactly. And what you just said about their relationship with Channing um, being vul- he was vulnerable exactly. after his his last re- marriage, his relationship. That woman caught him at a moment that that matched. But it was divine timing. I guess so. Exactly. So I'm sorry. I do take that back. What well, I said earlier about being offended um, if I were your boyfriend. Well, the that. thing is, it's like I've actually had this in before where it's like I've kind of strategically like reached out to people about something at a certain time and you know signed a contract at a certain time and it's always brought those blessings to me and wow. actually sometimes I didn't realize I would do something at a certain time and then I would look back and be like holy shit like me too. that's why it actually <sighs> works that way like that's why we reconnected or that's why I, I met this person and we're working together and collaborating now you know so it's it's really fascinating, and I and I love it. So, I yeah. married someone in that situation. That same, I can relate to the Channing situation. I uh, relationship ended. I was extremely vulnerable, and I'm not a bookend with my husband. We talked about mm-hmm. bookends before we went live. My husband. Uh, a lot of us don't see us together, mm-hmm. and they're really shocked and surprised. But because we have so much history, and we developed our relationship so perfectly with the timing that we both needed and pushed each other in our lives, we are forever connected. I love that. Yeah, well, I'm so jealous. I want that. I'm not that, jealous of it like, in a bad way, but like that's totally what I want. But it also had to happen for me at that right time. Yeah. Like I'm older than you, um, definitely, and and it just sparked at that right moment. And I didn't think I would ever be be married in this capacity and this quickly. And mm-hmm. to Brandon, honestly, Gina Keogh, the Real Housewife of Orange County, was a witness to our first meeting, <laughs> meeting Brandon, and with in uh, minutes of meeting him, she said, you're going to marry that one. And I went, <laughs> there's no way. Well, this is the perfect time to get in 
to your chart and see what is Absolutely. going on with you. This oh. is time, guys. Well, and, and by the way, you know, like all, all you lovely people out there, he's already promised that he's going to be setting me up with a possible future husband. So, you know. I'm, oh, I'm a good Yenta. I'm so, I'm so excited. Yeah, he's playing right straight friends, too. So I we'll do. see about that. Yep. I don't oh. discriminate. I have many friends. Good. I'm so excited. Uh, anyways, Craig Ramsey, let's dive into you. So you're an Aquarius with a Sagittarius rising. However, we're you're compatible. A, yeah, totally. <laughs> to, to a level, honey. To a level. <laughs> friends. Yeah. Friends. Compatible friends. Yes. Totally. Totally. Good friends. <laughs> so you're a later degree Sagittarius rising. So you're actually having a lot of eclipses that are, eclipses that are happening in your ascendant and identity right now. You may be shifting and changing your direction or having rapid progress take place. You may also be recreating yourself over the next year. <gasps> that resonates. Makeover. Yeah. Right now, Jupiter is in your natal 12th house. So that's meaning that you're probably building big ideas that you wanted to develop for the next like very long-term period of your life. Your lucky, luckiest year of 12 years begins from November of this year until November of next year. This will determine the important seeds of your life for the next 12 years. Wow. Yes. When Jupiter is in your ascendant, we recreate ourselves, launch major projects, get engaged, get married, have a kid, buy a house, all of those good things, all of them happen at the same time. Yeah. That's like in all of the things that we want. So, you know, that's really great. Also, you were going through eclipses in your sun sign from 2017 to 2019, so you probably saw important developments happening during those years, huge beginnings and endings, as well as important partnerships beginning or ending at that time, too. So, wow. that's... That's what I was also seeing. Um, That's a lot to take in. Yeah. I'll send it to you. <laughs> I write this stuff up. So. <laughs> um, some important dates to watch for you are you have a new moon in your marriage and partnership sector on July 31st. So you What does new moon mean? A new moon is like it basically a door opens to you. Okay. So, you know, you're already married, so you can find important ways to grow closer in your relationships. This could be business even. Okay. Business partnerships, agents, managers, all of those kinds Positions. of things. Positions. Yeah, absolutely. Sexual positions. Okay, new stuff. I mean, yeah, totally. Yeah, that can when's that date again? I'm putting that in my July calendar. July 31st and the 10 days that follow. Okay. But, this, but the thing is, you have to make those things happen because this affects you for a year. So make long-term plans together. You know, be like, you know, baby, where do you want to go this year? What do we want to do? What do we want to build together? Make your little empire, you know? Oh. Those are the kinds of things. And that's why when, like, I align things when I'm like, this is okay, I would go official with someone. Not that I'm having that situation immediately, but, like, I know those things. I also know, like, astrologically, when I'm likely to fall in love next. So it's like, it's either going to be this dude or it's going to be somebody else. So oh. I literally know it, you know? So, and that's why I'm predicting these things for you. So that's really key. August 15th, however, is a full moon in your sun sign, putting you front and center. So you're probably going to be seeing some really big moments where there's, like, again, it's either some sort of campaign or you're just, like, you know, getting a, extra attention or there's a career breakthrough or it could even be in a relationship. But it's, again, all about you at that point in time. Now that you know what's coming, plan something for them because you're going to have more power at that time. More power probably than you will have all year. So there's that. And then the... Actually, there's more I'm going to talk about too. Uh, November 12th is a huge career moment for you. So again, if you're going specifically for career, focus on that time around that. November 12th, you said? Yes. That's insane. Are you kidding me? What's no, happening yeah. November 12th? Can I fill in some of the, the stuff that you talked yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'll know where you are with that. Yeah, okay. totally. November 12th, so it's predicted I'll get my citizenship mid-November. Bitch, yes! I'm yeah, telling you! Yeah. High five. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it's been a long time coming, and it, it is really important step career-wise because I have always felt like there's something that will open up with that. Uh, well, and, you're right, because that's, that's what the stars are saying. Yeah, and, and I've, I've already said I'm kind of 
redeveloping myself um, by taking a step back and kind of having patience and understanding uh, that the universe is going to answer in a line because there's so much going on. Also in November, um, my new show that uh, uh, apparently is going to be a huge hit called He's Fit, mm-hmm. season two. Season one was fun to do. It was great, but I, 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 I felt it more of a hobby kind of thing. But uh, season two, and without giving too much information, it'll be um, announced on in the States, and uh, it, it's a, a, a spectacular show and, and such. Um, and redeveloping my stuff, um, I, I want to, uh, I made this effort of buying a home in March next year, uh, looking into that, starting that into motion. And that's why I'm telling you when these things are happening. And next, yeah, in the next, uh, I would say putting it into motion by March or April, um, we're going to have kids. Yeah, I mean, see, this is the shit that I'm telling you. Wow. Yeah. Do, do, do private sessions yes. with people? Yeah. Where we, can people find you? Uh, KyleThomasAstrology.com. Hit me up. Or on Instagram. Damn. Yeah. yeah. Book of reading, everybody. So, but also, the last thing I want to say to you, which is the most exciting thing. This is actually, I think, the most important date for you for the entire year. Starting on December 25th, it is a new moon solar eclipse in your identity, so you're going to see a huge moment in your destiny for your entire life mm. opening up to you at the very end of the year and in the beginning of 2020. Wow. So that's the big, big, big time. Wow. And, and if, if, if this is so big in my life, is it, does that why I always resonate with Christmas onward as a new beginning? Like, I am always look forward to that. No, they change. They it does change. change. Yeah, that's why, you know, like, I'm, that's why as an astrologer, I look at the timing. I look at the movement mm-hmm. of the planets. I look at the specific moon cycles. And then I look at your chart, and then I, I do the mathematics and, and figure it out. And that's why it's like, I, I, that's why I can predict things, but also I can tell you when the window is open. Hmm. You know? I love that. Like, for me, I'm a very patient person, so if things happen, great. If not, I trust the universe is aligning mm-hmm. things with the timing of that. But can I ask you, when you outline those kind of things and you give a date to someone and mm-hmm. it doesn't happen, or, uh, like, why doesn't it happen for that person, and do they get pissed at you? Do you ever get like <laughs> feedback where they're like, damn you? No, because the thing is, astrology, there's predictive qualities to it, but there's also productive qualities to it. So I, you know, going with like new moons or transits, these energies and patterns are going to naturally be there. Mm. So I'm telling you when the energy is there. I Whether or not you what I, I have my responsibility. It. Yes, exactly. On this end so too. Okay. you have to, you know, like for instance, when I'm saying like I'm likely to fall in love, like in certain days I'm not going to give away on publicly right now, <laughs> um, I know it's going to happen. And so... But not if you lock yourself up in your apartment exactly. the whole month and you're ignoring exactly. that. Okay. You know, and the reason I know specifically from my chart and the way it happened is because the last time I fell in love in 2015, the almost same thing happens again. Oh, wow. Except it's, it's, it's literally the stars are aligned. When people are saying it's like star-crossed lovers, that shit is real. And so that's why I'm like, hello, where are you? Because I'm going to... It's going to happen to me. So you're putting it in people's consciousness. Yeah, which which is important for them, especially for me. Like I'm the type of person that that especially growing up needs to put my hand on the burner. I yes. need to know these things, and and it's not distracting me; it's mm-hmm. motivating me. So I would be the person that puts yeah. myself out there if I if I was single and knew totally. that the the stars were aligning for me to do this and this at this time. Well, I can literally map out, and we'll talk about this after. But like I can literally map out all of the different areas of your life and how you can do it. So when these new moons and full moons are there, and so when I give you that window. What the universe is, it's kind of what I'm saying is like, let's imagine you're standing outside of a pond and the pond is love. Well, if you're looking at that and you're like, I want love and you're not doing anything, obviously nothing's going to happen. But if the door opens and then you dive right in, the universe is like, Craig wants love. Craig wants more love. Craig wants all of that. Or if you want fame and success, 
that, that pawn can be fame and success. So if you use the right timing, six months later, at the corresponding full moon that is in that sector for you specifically, then you get the abundance of all of that. So then wow. you get all of that love. You get, you know, like if I don't necessarily find the perfect person at that 